Welcome to Biblical Brainstorm, the Seth and Chandler podcast. I am your co-host, Seth. This is my co-host, Chandler. What's up, my man? Nothing much. Just uh, summertime, so enjoying that. Uh, Today was my first day back in the gym, so that was fun. There you go. What'd you do, legs or upper body? Uh, Upper body, although I did some core, too, so yeah, I'm like... Most of my body is kind of like a little bit sore right now, so yeah, <laughs> I'll feel it in I'll the morning. Be, I'll be going in uh, probably later tonight since I'm on my night shift schedule. Uh, <laughs> so I'll be working out probably around midnight or so. I'll be doing legs, and then tomorrow I got upper body, and then back to work for me. So, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I'm uh, I'm I'm alternating kind of like upper body, lower body. So it's yeah. like tomorrow's lower body. And nice. a little bit of core. I'm trying to hit core every day, but we'll see how you know how right. it is waking up in in the morning. Oh yeah, um, it's been it's been a couple months. Like I used to be really consistent, um, mm-hmm. and then you know obviously I was on the football team too, so you kind of had to work out. So I was in really yeah. good shape last year, and even yeah. before I joined last spring, I was doing a lot of weightlifting, and I was you know getting getting up right. there. But for the past like six months, man, just nothing. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> just been getting yeah. skinny, skinny, you know, arms yeah. and uh, uh, you know, and a bigger belly. That's losing that muscle mass. Yeah, I, I don't yeah. think I've changed weight wise. I've just lost a lot of muscle and gained fat. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, last year was really bad just because I didn't have access to the gym and I didn't work out at home. So I, you know, and put on a lot of fat, so. lost a lot of muscle. Yeah, and then once the gyms opened back up, I kind of slowly got back into it, and I've been back in consistently like i'd be like one week i'd go next week i wouldn't and then i'd go the next week so i'd be kind of off and on but this week i think it's three weeks i've been going consistently thankfully so that's nice. been good feeling good too i mean i'm getting through the workout easier like yesterday um i went in and did my upper body because i have a upper body lower body upper body for one week and then i'll do two lower one upper you know so i alternate it's a good alternate yeah and it's a plan from the trainer at the gym so i mean it's a good plan and everything and uh so yesterday was my upper body day and i was going and realized i was uh catching my breath faster and i wasn't sweating quite as much like i still was sweating a lot but not as bad as i had been the first couple of weeks you're not and, sweating you're not so, working that's i know so i gotta kick it up and i even did extra stuff too so but maybe i'd been awake i'd worked all night and got home and then went to the gym so maybe it's because i was awake longer that i wasn't my body wasn't as stressed out but I don't know. I think it feels like I'm getting in better shape though. I'm slowly getting there. Nice. But it was a good workout though, even though I didn't sleep. Yeah, it'll take a little bit for me to get back into that rhythm, but you know, gotta start somewhere. Yeah, the hard part's just getting started and getting going. So another thing, uh, for you listeners out there and also for you, Chandler, uh tart cherry juice. That helps if you drink that right after you work out with the inflammation and stuff. Tart Tart? cherry juice. Yeah. You can get it at Walmart. Um, Uh never heard of it. They only sell they only sell one kind, but it's organic, so that's nice. Mm. But, um, yeah, Arnold Schwarzenegger drinks it. Eddie Hall drinks it. Um, there's probably a lot of other people that drink it, but it helps just with, uh, I think, antioxidants and stuff in it. Just help with your muscle soreness and all that. So I drink it between wow. shifts at work and after I work out and everything. And I got to try that out. feels like it helps. Tart cherry <laughs> so, juice. Sure, that's not a... Got to have the protein. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> sure that's not a, uh, a name for something else? <laughs> Yeah, no, no, not that stuff. No, uh, <laughs> I'm not Presbyterian, you know. <laughs> yeah, so, well, yeah. that's a joke, guys. But <laughs> Presbyterians out there because right, they yeah. they have no problem, you know, with cigars and drinking. So it's right, just like, yeah. you know, anything. 
right. Uh, <laughs> so let, well, let's dive in, uh, shall we? Yeah. So we um, l- last two weeks we covered the apocrypha. So you might notice from the part one and part two, and so today, as you can see the ticker now, um, part three. And this is our 12th episode, and uh, not only are we teaching you biblical theology, we're teaching you how to count. Oh, yeah. (laughs) It's like uh, that guy, like Sesame Street, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's it's Count. I think his name was just the Count, just because he counted, but also because he was uh, like Dracula. Yeah. No better name. (laughs) Yeah. It was actually apparently my favorite character when I was a kid. So that's kind of funny you brought that up. (laughs) (laughs) I think it was the guy uh, under the the green dude in the trash under the name. Oscar, yeah. Oscar, Oscar the Rock. He was pretty good. He was, he was a, he's a classic, that's for sure. Yep. <laughs> All right. Well, so, and I can't believe we've been out of three months now. I mean, twelve. Yeah. Week, you know, week twelve, episode twelve. That's uh, that's pretty remarkable, I'd say. Yeah, that's pretty so, great. I mean, I'm. It's definitely a proud moment for both of us. Uh, something that we just kind of came up with in November and mm-hmm. talked about it a little bit here and there for a couple months, and then we we're like all right, well, I guess we got to do it now. So then we launched it and, you know, we had a lot of awesome people, you know, donate to help us, you know, buy equipment and everything and get our subscription to StreamYard and, you know, get our microphones and all that kind of stuff. And which was awesome. And a lot of people really yeah, launched you know, us believed out. in us. And uh, yeah, 12 weeks in now, it's pretty cool. Yeah. And uh, we got, I'm so excited for some of the series too, that we're, we're starting soon. Um, pretty soon after we wrap up the Apocrypha and everything. So this week, we're, and next week, we're, we're, we're titling Apocrypha Part 3 and Part 4 because it's a part of the same series, but in reality, today is going to be a lot less on, about the actual Apocrypha and right. on certain type of apocryphal works made by Gnostics. So today yeah. can almost be a whole episode on Gnosticism, on uh, Greek, you know, Hellenization of Judea, kind of going from the Old Testament to the New Testament now. Right. Uh, so the past two weeks, we talked about the Old Testament. And how it's leading into now we're talking about the New Testament. We'll see mm-hmm. the rise of Gnosticism. And then next week kind of capping it off with the formation of the actual canon. Why we have the Bible the way we have it and the books therein. Um, and yeah. And then after that we'll do a Q&A episode. So stay tuned for that. Ask your questions. That'll be a lot of fun. I know we had a lot of fun in the first Q&A episode. Yeah. Uh, and then pretty soon after that we might. We're playing around with different series to start. But eventually we're going to start with our evidence for God's existence series or our natural theology series and more accurately put. Yeah. So, yeah. That one will be fun. That's for sure. Yeah. Really, it'll be the least, I would say biblical out of biblical episode of the biblical brainstorm podcast, because uh, it's evidence for God or natural theology, which is um, mm. outside the Bible, which is, an, and we'll see how that is confirmed in the Bible, of course, but yeah, it'll be a more philosophical and, scientific series and then we'll dive right back into some uh some bible chapter series which would be cool yeah so i'm looking forward to it it'll be good i mean the q a's are uh, well i was gonna say always fun but we've only done one so <laughs> i was gonna say the q a <laughs> was be. fun so this one i'm sure will be really good but yeah i mean we've uh you know like you were saying we covered the you know apocryphal works you know we called them old testament apocrypha the last few weeks and those are uh definitely fun but now like you're saying technically we're not, not in the apocrypha anymore, but to keep up with the series, we just called it part three still. So, but yeah. like you said, it'll be kind of more pseudepigraphal works and like New Testament, post New Testament writings and that kind of stuff, but also some things that were going on during New Testament times. So it'll be fun. Yeah. So uh, we got to 
come here in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. That's a good way to just start every episode, I think. Just, you know. That's true. Just, just with prayer. Just, you know. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Just, that works. I, I'm in agreement of that. Just yes. every, and honestly, that's what we try to Everything we want to do, this is a type of, you know, it's a ministry as well. Yeah. It's, it's something for us to have fun, have these conversations and go deep in the word and, and all that. But at the mm. end of the day, too, it's we could have our own conversations on the phone. But at right. some level, we're bringing people into those conversations and getting to talk about this stuff. So in uh, a way, it's a ministry, too. So, uh, yeah, no, yeah. this is a. Uh, you know, like we had said before, this is not only just a way to, you know, have fun conversation with us, but to include people in it and, you know, not only have fun talking about this stuff together, but help us grow and help others grow and, mm-hmm. you know, be a ministry. And it's not that we, you know, we're not getting paid to do it. We don't have sponsorships or anything. We're just yeah. doing it on our own time <laughs> and uh, maybe one day, but at the moment we don't have any of that stuff. So it's not like we have any we're not being forced or we're under contract to do it. So we're just doing it for us, not only for us, but for you guys. Yeah. This so. is just uh purely, um, like you said, ministry and fun. This is, this yeah. is fun. I love talking about this stuff and uh, going deep. And, and that, like, like I said, this is the point of biblical brainstorm is brainstorming. Oh yeah. About the Bible, about the problem, you know, problems this- we encounter or things people don't understand and just going deep and no stone left unturned. So Great. let's, and it's uh, not the, it's kind of like we had said, or I don't know that we ever said it on here, but I know it's something that we talked about when we were going over the name. But when, it, when we say brainstorm, we don't mean we're coming up, making up stuff about the Bible. It's just, you know, talking about the Bible and it will trigger something in your mind. And then that will trigger something in my mind. And we just, you know, feed off each other. Sounds and, you know. like pinball. Yeah. So that's good stuff. I've been enjoying it. All right. Well, with that, you know, that's all the introductory stuff out of the way. We're 10 minutes in now. So let's. Well, one uh, more introductory thing I'll go ahead and say. Okay. If you haven't followed us already on Instagram, uh, I know we got a lot of followers and uh, people that like our page on uh, Facebook. So if you like us on Facebook, but you haven't yet liked us on Instagram, go ahead over and like us on Instagram. Follow us on YouTube. Um, you know, we also have all of our episodes are uploaded on Spotify. So, you know, follow, nah, subscribe. Except for the last, I, I need to catch up on those. So that's, okay. That's only <laughs> Most of our episodes thing. are on Spotify. Yes. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I will be getting them all. I will be getting them all this this week for sure. Yeah. And, but uh, yeah, check us up. out on Instagram if you haven't yet. Uh, so because we want to definitely start doing more personal stuff on Instagram and more posting there, and then we keep our major announcements and stuff on Facebook. And of course, we go live on Facebook. So, uh, but yeah, definitely check us out on all our social media platforms. Like I said, we don't get paid for it. We just want you guys to be connected if you enjoy it. And if you have any friends that are into theology or Bible studies or anything like that, you know, invite them to check out the show. Um, they don't have to check it out live. They can just check it out on Spotify. But if you want to check it out live. Or on YouTube or Facebook or any other. You know, it's saved as a video right after we do it live. So you can always go back and watch it later. So I like that about it. Yep, Um, check us out. (laughs) Last thing is uh, you guys can comment. Part of the reason why we do it live is uh, part, well, part of it is just this spont you know spontaneous aspect of it but yeah. it's also just uh to stay connected with you guys so if you guys have questions or need clarification on something that we say or you know you want to maybe uh talk more about something mm-hmm. feel free to comment uh yeah. so that i mean you don't have to just wait to ask questions during the q a episode uh but you can kind of fo- like follow yeah. along with us as we go here so that we uh you know, everybody's on the same page. And so yeah. we're not just talking over everybody and, you know. Yeah. So f- like for the Q&A, like that's fair game. You ask whatever, 
um it doesn't have to be specific you know if you're in the episode like you said if you need clarification on something don't be afraid to ask you know q a is open season <laughs> so you can ask whatever the heck you want pretty much but uh yeah during the episode if you like you said if you're just unsure about something we said don't hesitate to ask mm-hmm. um but yeah or just say hi we're here to talk or say hi yeah yeah all right well without further ado um let me pick up where we left off so last week we talked about you know, the, the Apocrypha, right? Why, the, you know, the books that are included in, say, the Catholic canon or in other canons, per se, like Eastern Orthodox, or maybe not included in the canons at all, but these are Old Testament or intertestamental works mm-hmm. uh, between the Old and New Testament of things like history and uh, things, uh, you know, some things are theology, some things are, like we, we uh, read with the Book of Sirach, mm-hmm. that are like wisdom. Right, it's wisdom literature. It's good stuff. Obviously, obviously, you can see some things that it's like, man, eh, maybe you know, maybe that shouldn't be scripture, and yeah. thus it's not. But uh, you got to yeah. take it with a grain of salt. But for the most part, it's you know, it's not bad to read. You just got to know what it is mm-hmm. and know how to pick it apart, and you know, have discernment. But yeah. anyway, it's not bad to read. No, you don't have to stay away from it. And yeah, we explained why uh, why even the Jews and like the Council of. Jim- you know, Janiah is, uh, you know, by the, the Pharisees and, and the Jews in 90 AD, why they even canonized the Old Testament uh, the way it is, and they mm-hmm. left out those apocryphal works. And so even the Jews didn't consider them at, at on par or the same as uh, the other, old, you know, what we have in our Protestant Old Testament, mm-hmm. per se. Um, and, and mostly that's just because that those books were in the prophetic age, and those books were also pre Hellenization, pre-Greek influence, right? Yeah. And so there's type of a, a purity aspect there, right? And so they thought, well, if the last prophet died at, you know, say, you know, th- that prophetic age in Babylon with Ezekiel and Daniel and, uh, and all those guys, mm-hmm. um, all the books after the prophets, well, they 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 are good, uh, but they're seen as second tier, right? Yeah. And so, uh, like I said, there's there's no reason to be scared of the apocrypha. There's no reason to be scared of these works. They're great to read, and like I read. Uh, we you know we read last week about how it it shows you the fulfillment of prophecy in Daniel. Like you yeah. see the prophecy beforehand, and then you see what actually happened after the fact in Maccabees and you know and, and all these works, right? And we read Sirach, which is good wisdom, and and so mm-hmm. all of these books, honestly, I would say is even better to read than mod, like some other commentaries you would read much later, rabbinic commentaries on the Old Testament. Yeah. So if you're gonna if you're gonna have, you know commentary from second temple jews talking about old testament stuff versus hundreds of years later uh jews comment you know commentary on the old testament the apocrypha is much more reliable of a source so i would even say that second like it's not like something that should be rejected but it's not Mm -hmm. something that's the same on par of the old testament yeah and for those of you that like bible study um pastors even uh sunday school teachers bible study leaders that you know you like to get into the deep stuff and uh, you may like to use um, rabbinic articles and stuff to throw in to kind of use as uh, references or you know backup for what you're saying. They're good, but just remember that they're written written uh, way later, and the apocrypha was what written at the time, and a lot of that was in the minds of the writers and part of their worldview when they were writing. So the apocryphal works, um, while like I said, it's not inspired or rather it's not holy scripture. Uh, it may be inspired some parts of it, but we won't count it holy scripture as canon, like we'd said in yeah, the last you know, couple episodes. Um, you know, while it's not holy scripture, it's still 
we can still call it scripture. <laughs> uh, I think we can get away with that, but it's still good to read and kind of include in your uh, Bible study to inform, you know, what you're talking about uh, in your sermons, you know, don't be afraid to talk about it. just because it's in the Catholic Bible doesn't mean you can't use it if you're Protestant, uh, <laughs> but you, um, it's great history. Yeah. I mean, there's a, some Bibles still include them. Um, mostly NRSV new revised standard version Bibles will include them. Um, you know, I'm looking at buying one now just to have uh, with the Apocrypha in it. And no, Chandler, you got one with the Apocrypha in it. But yeah, when it comes with like the rabbinic writings, you know, rabbinic writings are good, but uh, it's kind of it's kind of like that meme from I think it was Wandavision or something, where it's Pedro Pascal, where he's like, "Life is good, but it can be better." <laughs> <laughs> so it's like rabbinic writings are good, but the Apocrypha is a little better <laughs> in some areas. Yeah, but uh, and then yeah. better than that is, of course, the canon. So yeah, the canon, of course, being top tier for sure. So uh, now what's interesting, though, is we're moving into a place where we're talking about, say, the Apocrypha, like Old Testament, intertestamental works, and we're moving now into the New Testament period. And so that's what we'll mostly cover today. And you're kind of seeing how these sources really drop off to where uh, mm -hmm. we go from, yeah, the Apocrypha and these intertestamental writings are really good to read. And then you get into these other like post-New Testament works. Uh, like say the Gospel of Judas, the Gospel of uh, Mary, you know, uh, the Gospel of uh, Thomas, things like this. A lot of these Gnostic works, which are, are not second tier, they're they're actually heretical, like kind of maybe tenth tier. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I mean they they uh, we we kind of see this real drop off of reliability, uh, yeah. partly because they they're written by people who. Um, have very different theology than uh, than Christians and even Jews, mm -hmm. and so whereas the apocryphal works are very much Jewish, right? That like in the old, intertestamental Old Testament and stuff, yeah. Uh, things like the Book of Enoch, things like First and Second Maccabees, things like uh, Sirach, the Book of Sirach, uh, or Wisdom of Sirach, as mm -hmm. other ways called, uh, etc. Like all these things are are still in that same vein culturally. Uh, as you know, in Judaism, and retain a lot of uh, that culture and and the meaning there, and and how to even interpret the Old Testament books, and so those are actually really good to read. But then you see post New Testament uh, these other works, or you could say apocryphal works, and on like you know the apocryphon the apocryphon of John, which is one of the Gnostic things. Uh, mm -hmm. A lot of these these things, these New Testament apocrypha, you could almost say, mm -hmm. or apocryphal works. Um, are not great. <laughs> they're, yeah. they're, they're, they're actually <laughs> contain a lot of heresy. And so we'll actually yeah. go through some examples today. Um, but the reason that these... And some of the early out, church fathers were um, either started off Gnostic and, you know, became Christian and uh, renounced it, or they were directly um, in opposition to it, writing against it and everything. <laughs> yeah, they didn't it say was a lot of... Problem. <laughs> they didn't say nice things at all, the early church, yeah. uh, about Gnosticism. Uh, and you'll kind of see why in a second, because we read some of, you know, last two weeks, we read some of intertestamental, Old Testament, like apocryphal works, and we saw the benefit of them. But you'll see read, as we read some of these Gnostic works that, yeah, it's like, uh, these aren't great. <laughs> and there's yeah. a reason why these aren't included in the Bible. And you'll see like, and you'll have these questions. Why Why are the, uh, you know, why is the Gospel of Judas and the Gospel of Thomas, why are these not included in the Bible? And you see, uh, and you'll kind of plainly see why as we read some of this stuff. Um, but before that, yeah. um, to, to kind of 
go off of where we did last week. So last week we kind of ended on the Maccabean revolt. Uh, and so we see this, this kind of uh, resistance against this Greek influence, this Hellenization, right, of Judea. Uh, mm-hmm. And so th- this is becoming a problem for, for people in Israel, people, you know, the Jewish people, because you, you're seeing this, this integration of Greek theology, Greek philosophy, uh, Greek way of life, um, even things like uh, their views on anthropology and even medical things. Like there's a lot of new thought coming in in this in this yeah. part of the world, uh, you know, thanks to Alexander the Great. <laughs> um, and so you're seeing this influence continually grow and this increased kind of secular secularization of, of Judea at this time. Mm-hmm. And this is going to create a variety of responses to it. Uh, much like, you know, you could see in Christianity today when Christianity is, is confronted with uh, a lot of secular influence. There's going to be yeah. uh, different categories of people that respond uh, to this. <clears throat> and so we saw how, you know, even at picking up, uh, you know, in Maccabees there, Maccabees was like, you saw those who resisted and would mm-hmm. keep the law of God and then they died for it. And then you saw that just those who just kind of, uh, you know, assimilated and, and just brought it part of their, their way of life, the Greek way of life, and they just kind yeah. of merged the two and, and said, oh, what what's the problem also, you know, worshiping these other gods and, and, and you know, eating pork and, and doing all this stuff, right? Yeah. And so you're seeing this kind of splitting in Judaism, right, but with, mm-hmm. between this, should we accept a lot of these Greek ideas or not? Yeah. Um, and this is going to set up the New Testament um, climate that we're, we're going to see Jesus come on the scene pretty soon. Uh, mm-hmm. But before that, before Jesus and Christianity really comes on the scene, uh, there's going to be six responses, uh, as I like to call it, or, or six um, sects of, of people or groups of people mm-hmm. uh, that respond to this Hellenization, this Greek influence yeah. in Judea. And so these groups are the Herodians, right? The Herodians, the Samaritans, the Zealots, the Essenes, the Pharisees, and the Sadducees. So these six groups, you could say, kind of set up the where we, we come at in the New Testament. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so the Herodians, they're an interesting bunch because the Herodians are Edomites. So okay. Herodians are kind of a political group. Um, you know, you have Herod the Great, uh, yeah. and then you have this kind of dynasty, this Herodian dynasty, that is ruling over Judea, but ethnically, they're from south of Judea. They're Edomites, right? And so uh, they they have a lot of political ties with the Roman Empire. And so the Roman Empire is kind of over them, and, and therefore, you know, Herod and, and all, they're over uh, this, this region of Judea, right? There, now, this, Herod was more of like a job title rather than his actual name, right? Well, you have the Herodian family, and so this is okay. kind of like a family line. Um, in a way, both. A little of. bit of both. Okay. Yeah, it, it's like you have this kind of genetic lineage uh, of rulers, um, mm. but it's also their, you know, it's, it's part of the title, but it's part of the name. It's like your Herod, you know. Gotcha. Um, and so, you know, Herod Antipater and Herod the Grey, Herod, you know, they're all named Herod, right? And gotcha. So, um, so it's both family name and a title. In a way, yeah. I mean, okay. you're not going to, yeah. And so you have... The these Herodians, as you know, that would be kind of like the people, right? The political mm-hmm. party per se, uh, or the group that support Herod, right? The you know the Herodian dynasty, yeah. and so you have the these Herodians, which 
you know, if you imagine being a Jew, right, and you're ruled by, you know, you're under occupation from the Roman Empire because you mm -hmm. know you saw, you, we saw this with the Greeks, and we left off of Maccabees where we're under Greek influence, Greek control, and then the Maccabean revolt happens, and bye bye Greeks, and then all of a sudden we see yeah. the Romans come in and oppress, uh, yeah, you know, Israel or you know Judea. So this is, uh, you know, this is a problem. And so again, this occupation, this oppression, and this instillment of Greco-Roman uh, way of life, ideals, and theology, and philosophy. This is going to create this kind of what do you do? And so one one group of people they're they're taking advantage of this and saying, oh, this is a good thing. They're using it for political uh, authority, the political cloud. It's like we, we should celebrate the, the you know the Herodians, the Roman Empire. Um, and really get on their side, right? Yeah. And so that's one method of, of kind of coping with, with all of this. And so... Yeah. Pretty, it was a pretty chaotic time. So there's a lot of people that probably just wanted it to... All the chaos to stop. And they're like, let's just kind of... Join the side. Out. Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. And so um, the reason why a lot of people also didn't like the Herodians is because they, the Herodians, who were, again, from the South, they were from Edom taking over, they took over the Hasmonean dynasty. And the Hasmonean dynasty was a Judean dynasty. This was like, mm -hmm. okay, Judah is ruled by Judah. <laughs> you know, uh, really? And so, or Judean people, you could yeah. say. And so the Hasmonean dynasty, and they, they enjoyed a lot more kind of religious freedoms. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of, yeah, it, it was better. It was a better dynasty than you see this Herodian dynasty, which is kind of like a foreign uh, power per se, or, you know, People. The whole history of the Edomites wasn't a good one, was it? <laughs> I mean, the Edomites originally coming from Esau, and you see yeah. that tension between Esau and Jacob or Israel uh, throughout history. <laughs> they had a little bit of a rough uh, heritage there, so that's a little backstory on the Edomites. You know, they they've always kind of had a rough history. <laughs> yeah, they weren't. I don't think they were necessarily cursed, were they? They just were always kind of troublemakers. Or just kind of troubled people. Well, they they were uh, blessed, but not you know they. Jacob kind of took the blessing there, you know. He, right. he they they kind of got the the second or the the lesser portion there, and so when you have Jacob being, you know, Israel getting the, you know, the true blessing, and then you have kind of Edom, which is or Esau, which kind of gets the, you know, this little land in the south, and and they're yeah. always kind of like they don't attain to the same greatness. Yeah. Um, you know, there, there's some tension there, especially, and there's times mm -hmm. where they went, they were at war. Uh, with each other in, in history. And so you can imagine you're a Jew living in Judea and uh, you're ruled by this Herodian dynasty, which is under this greater Roman occupation, which is pagan. Yeah. And so you're not, you know, if you're a true, uh, let's just say you're like, oh, I'm, I'm a true Jew. I'm, I'm for, you know, the, the faith. You're not going to mm -hmm. really like the Herodians, oh, yeah. right? But this is one one way of coping, right? With this increased Greco-Roman, this Hellenization, this this changing of, of this political and religious mm. climate and, and even philosophical climate here. So you have the Herodians on one hand, which I can explain them. Then you have the Samaritans. The Samaritans are north of Judea, right? Mm. So you have Samaria, Judea, Edom. And so you have the Samaritans, which they think of, uh, in a way, the um, Israeli-Palestinian um, conflict today. So <laughs> I think it's kind of, uh, yeah, it, it really is... I guess perfect timing, you could say. Um, yeah. Where no, you know, told the story about the Good Samaritan, but as you're about to explain, the Jews didn't like him very much. 
Yeah, and so obviously Jesus making a parable about the Good Samaritan wasn't really a great. Uh, <laughs> it wasn't you know, received well. <laughs> it wasn't always received because they're like they didn't like Jews didn't like the Samaritans, and there's reasons for this. Because one, uh, you know, Samaritans were a part of the the northern tribe of Israel, right? Mm-hmm. And they're mostly made up of you know the tribes of Ephraim and Manasseh, and you got to think too the tribes of Ephraim and Manasseh. These are children of Joseph, which were. Uh, you know, adopted as being Jacob's sons, and they get to be a part of the 12 tribes of Israel here. And, you know, they're also, yeah, I mean, you yeah. just, they're more separated from, uh, you know, the yeah the group there in, in lower in Judean area. And I think they occupy part of the West Bank too. So again, they're already, they're already encountering more Canaanite influence on the onset. Mm-hmm. And of course, Joseph's wife was Egyptian too. And so like, There's you a know. Little bit of mixture there. Yeah, and so you can imagine maybe some tensions already, but you know maybe not because they're all mm-hmm. united under the Davidic, Davidic dynasty at one point. But yeah. uh, later in history, you have this type of takeover from Assyria, mm-hmm. uh, where Assyria conquers the northern right Israel, but they didn't conquer Judah, and then later Babylon takes over Judah. Okay, and so you're you're seeing this this deportation of the Jews from Babylon into Babylonia and then the Jews eventually return right yeah. to to uh Judea but the problem is that and that's why i even say the palestinian conflict here is uh you see at this time when the Jews came back from Babylonia the samaritans didn't like them <laughs> yeah because so it's, it's it's almost they almost I think the Jews almost viewed them kind of like you guys were part of us but now you're traitors kind of thing. Yeah, I mean because there's a lot of mixture, right? Because mm-hmm. uh, obviously the Assyrians deported a lot of uh, you know is you know of the inhabitants of Israel at the time there uh, you know away, yeah. but those who remained in Samaria or Israel area, um, there, there's this mixture between of course some of the other Canaanites around and and. This, the Assyrians and the Jews or the Israelites already living there. And so, I mean, you already have this divide between Israel and Judah. And then all of a sudden Assyria gets, you know, takes over and then there's a mixture there. Um, and so there, there's already this tension between Samaria and Judah. And yeah. Jews didn't believe, you know, they thought of them as like half-breeds, basically. They're, they're mixed. Mm. They're a mixed race. They're not pure Jews. Because, yeah. you know, you're mixed with Assyrians and you're mixed with all of these other, uh, you know, yeah. influences, right? And so... the and that the, gets dangerous really quick. Yeah, and the Samaritans didn't receive the Jews well when they came back from Babylonia, and so you already have this tension is just going to continue on, right, yeah. all the way until we get to the New Testament where you just see this sharp divide between Samaria or the north and mm-hmm. Judea, you know, Jews in the south. And... So the Samaritans, on one hand, um, you know, they're another group that is more yeah. receptive a little bit to this Greek influence, but at the same time, or the, politically at least, you know, because the Romans occupied the north a little more yeah. um, than they did the south and set up a lot of things, and even Galilee, which is north of Samaria. So you got to think, G- Jesus is from Galilee, so you have Galilee, mm-hmm. then you have Samaria, then you have Judea. Yeah. Uh, and so... And that was a problem with Jesus's ministry too. Like a lot of Jews want to intentionally would take a longer route to get down to Judea to yeah. avoid the Samaritans, but Jesus went through Samaria. 
Yeah, let's go around Samaria to get to Jerusalem. Instead, yeah. Jesus is like, oh, let's go through Samaria to go to Jerusalem. <laughs> I have an idea, guys. Let's go straight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hear I mean, me out. <laughs> there was a lot of racism. There was a lot of tension uh, between Jews and Samaritans. Mm-hmm. Um, and so on one hand, you have, like you said, the Herodians are one group. And then you have the Samaritans, which are another group in the New Testament uh, period. And they have their own agenda, right? They think that they're the true... Uh, faith as well, because when the when the Jews went off to Babylon, uh, that Israel was the true religion because they stayed there. Those who didn't get deported by Syria, anyway. But mm-hmm. those who stayed there, they're like, oh, Mount Gezerim, you know, th- this is the true mountain we worship on. They, those Jews are corrupted by Babylon. They came back. We're the true Israeli religion. Uh, and so, and then you you notice when Jesus gets on the scene, and the woman asks, "Oh, the Jews say we're the you know worship on that mountain. Our, my ancestors say we worship on this one, which is true." Yeah. And Jesus, you know, uh, classically avoiding the question but answering it at the same time, just like you know, there'll come a day when we'll neither worship on this mountain or that mountain, but spirit mm-hmm. and truth and all that. Mm-hmm. But you kind of see this, uh, you know, this the Samaritans as a group and that kind of their place in this world, right? Yeah, and so. You got the Herodians, you got the Samaritans, then you got the Zealots, right? The Zealots. Uh, sounds <laughs> a fitting name. <laughs> yeah. Um, the Zealots were, I want to say, kind zealous? of zealous. Yeah, they're they're almost <laughs> like a terrorist, a Jewish terrorist first century organization. You could almost say because yeah. their response to this increased Hellenization was uh, violence. Right, they they said the only way to truly rid uh, Judah, you know, Judea from this evil, right, is is to to take up arms against mm-hmm. it. Uh, and you see Simon the Zealot, a disciple of Jesus, right? Yeah. Uh, and it's funny because he also had a tax collector, Matthew, who was uh, uh, basically a Jewish sellout to the the Roman, you know, occupation. Yeah. And so you got a tax collector and a zealot. As both See, of his disciples. He called a little bit of everybody together kind of thing. I just yeah, want to know the rough. conversations. Yeah. <laughs> just how them staring at each other across the table intently. <laughs> yeah. Just like the tension yeah. between yeah. a zealot and a tax collector. Yeah. Um, anyway, so you have zealots, and they're base, they're basically inspired by this Maccabean revolt, right? Yeah. That I, you know, I read last week. So you have this... Uh, you know, this Maccabean revolt that they, they took up arms and they defeated and they drove out the Greeks and they restored Israel back to, mm-hmm. you know, its its own dynasty, right? So there's... Then the, Romans. <laughs> then the Romans. And so the Zealots are basically saying, hey, let's do to the Romans and this Herodian mm-hmm. dynasty the same as we did, uh, you know, to the Greeks. Uh, yeah. So th- this is a time to take up arms and to rid I- Israel of its evil. Yeah, uh, and so you can see the place of the zealots as a response to to this, right? Violent yeah. resistance, uh, and then you have uh, the non-violent resistance uh, and the Essenes. Mm-hmm. So the Essenes were very interesting people. Yes, very interesting and important. <laughs> yeah, we wouldn't have so the Dead Sea Scrolls. These come from the Essenes. John mm-hmm. the Baptist may have been an Essene, or at least so associated with uh, some mm-hmm. Essenes. Because uh, the Sians were basically like, think Jewish monks, right? They yeah. they went out in the desert. They uh, they ate grasshoppers, right? They they uh, mm-hmm. they went out and uh, they revered the scriptures so so highly. 
yeah. that they wouldn't ever throw away or tear up scriptures when they didn't have use of it. They would bury them because mm -hmm. they thought the name of God is too holy to to read up, you know, or tear up or throw burn away or, or burn. Yeah. yeah. So thus we have the Dead Sea Scrolls found in a cave in Qumran because the Qumran community was a group of Assyrians who kind mm -hmm. of were, uh, you know, out you know, escaping society mm -hmm. uh, to to live the true religion because they thought that the only way to truly live holy was to separate themselves from society and from this now increasingly secular Greek Hellenized Roman society yeah. uh, because, you know, there, there's no way a true holy person could live, you know, mm -hmm. righteously in, in a such a sinful society and environment, mm -hmm. right? Uh, so it's kind of like they, they weren't like necessarily a political town or country or anything. It was just a more of a community or a, mm -hmm. kind of a, a less govern, governmentized city. They just kind of went out in the desert in the middle of nowhere and formed their own kind of society. community in a way. So yeah. it'd, be, it'd be like someone, a group of people now that were, um, let's to put it in modern terms, I guess, that were very like a group of Christians that love, love the Lord and everything. And they all, you know, they wanted to go out into somewhere in the United States in the middle of the woods, super secluded from everybody, no technology, um, no like connection the with the world. Yeah. In a way. Just, well, like actual yeah. Christian monks in yeah. the fourth centuries. And they just, yeah. And they just will build their own. And it's, you know, they go out, they build a community and they preserve sacred texts of Christianity. Like they would probably have, hundreds and hundreds of Bibles and Christian literature and all that kind of stuff. And they would just, that'd be kind of, it's kind of like what the Essenes were doing. Yeah. So. With, and a lot of these books, they even some apocryphal books, like intertestamental books, like the book of Enoch and mm -hmm. stuff like that. And a lot of things like Daniel, that was one of the most popular books and, and the Isaiah scroll. Like yeah. a, a lot of these things were kept in these communities of the Essenes because they were preserving these sacred texts and they were excluding, you know, themselves from society uh and so that's one response then you have the pharisees right yeah uh pharisees, we all know the pharisees <laughs> we all know the pharisees and they get a bad rap a lot but yeah. actually between all of these groups uh the pharisees you would say align probably most with what we think and believe because mm -hmm. uh you know the pharisees were they thought well the only way to really uh live righteously is by reforming society Right. And this is a way of, you know, they, they were more aligned. They were kind of a political group, group, but they, they were, you know, they were teachers, they were rabbis. They had they had some weight, legal weight behind them. They mm -hmm. really governed a lot of society. Same with the Sadducees, which is the last group here. And so both the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they were they were both uh, over a lot of the Jewish people. Yeah. Um, but they both had more different roles and they also both had different beliefs. Yeah. And so the Pharisees. Uh, they believed in all of the Old Testament. They believed mm -hmm. in the books we have as the Old Testament, uh, you know, from, again, Genesis to uh, Malachi, right? Yeah. And so th th this was, uh, they believed in the supernatural. They mm -hmm. believed in an afterlife. They believed in a coming resurrection. They believed yeah. in angels and demons and, um, again, heaven and hell and, and all this, you know, theology that we would agree, <laughs> that we yeah. would agree with. <laughs> Uh, and Jesus and they, even said at one point, like, unless you are holier than the Pharisees, you know, yeah. you don't have a chance. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they they basically wanted to um, 
restore Israel to its Davidic dynasty. So you can mm -hmm. see the tension between the Pharisees and, say, maybe the Herodians, because the Herodians have this political dynasty, which is uh, not Jewish, right? Uh, it's Enemite and, and this Roman influence, and where the Pharisees want to restore a kingdom under the line of David and this fulfillment of Old Testament scripture. And they're looking for the coming Messiah mm -hmm. and they want to reform society. Like society is evil. Therefore, Hey, we need to change. We need to make yeah. sure that we're, we're actually uh, making ourselves righteous for the coming of the Messiah, et cetera. And for the, you know, for the resurrection. And only then if, if we reform society, will God look upon us and forgive us and drive out our enemies. Right. This is, you know, you're thinking, wow, the, the Pharisees are obviously more aligned with what you would think uh, would be what you want. <laughs> yeah. Like out of out of this. Uh, and <clears throat> you have the Sadducees, on the other hand, which are also kind of a not, not political group, but, you know, over the people. Right. Per se. Yeah. Uh, similar to the Pharisees. But these are more aristocratic people. They have a little bit okay. more affiliation with uh, the Herodians and the Roman Empire, right? And so whereas the Pharisees are more for the common people, so that's why you see the Pharisees show up a lot more than you see the Sadducees in the Bible gotcha. because you see Jesus along with a lot of the common people, mm -hmm. and the Pharisees are involved more with the dealings of common people and businessmen and, and all of that, right? Yeah. They are, again, on a so grass. More, they're more white-collar Sadducees. Yeah, well... Uh, oh, well, yeah, Sadducees, you would say. Yeah, so, well, Sadducees are, again, the yeah, the ones that are more aristocratic. They're more kind of legal uh, connection with in the Romans and the Herodians, and they're trying to, uh, they're, they're, they're over society, but not, they're not down in, into the, into the, uh, the depths, right? They're not yeah. in, in, they're not getting <laughs> in the dirt, right? With the, yeah. with the Pharisees as much. Uh, the, you know, the two, Holy, not holier than now, but uh, they're, they're more above, I guess you could say, uh, in, in what they're dealing with. Gotcha. On, on a legal or on a political level. And so they, the Sadducees only show up when, well, when it's, when it's really necessary, right? And that's why you see them show up, but not, yeah. as, well, not <laughs> as much as the Pharisees, because the Pharisees were in everybody's business, right? They, they were more on the common people level. Yeah. And so what's interesting is that um, also the Pharisees, uh, denied a like the supernatural. They only had the Torah, right? They they only say like venerated. I guess you could say that those books. Whereas they rejected most of the other books of the Old Testament. Mm -hmm. uh, they were more like, hey, this is uh, you know, they're they're less in the supernatural uh, believing that. And I, actually, a comment just came in perfectly. Uh, Sadducees also denied the physical resurrection of all and. The judgment, yeah. So that was another thing. The Pharisees believed in the coming judgment. Sadducees yeah. didn't. The Sadducees almost believed that, hey, this life is really all that there is, uh, you know, at some level. I'm sure there was some disagreement, but for the most part, they were like, yeah, um, there's no heaven or hell, and there's no coming resurrection after life. There's no, like, they, they cared more about the law, the Torah, the law, and how it dealt with society, the here and now. Mm -hmm. And so you can kind of see how the Sadducees are more, aligning themselves with the secular secularization yeah um as opposed to the pharisees who are trying to religiously reform and both of them are religious leaders yeah all right so you have the sadducees are one religious group the pharisees another religious group but one is more in the supernatural 
Mm-hmm. And one is more about, you know, this, uh, I guess you could say more secular. Yeah. I like uh, E Dave333, his comment Sadducees are politicians and Pharisees are a union. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, is that? Yeah. The politicians and the Pharisees are in union. That's are a good union. one. Yeah. Uh, and another, yeah, again, another good comment. Well, Pharisees also became what is now rabbinical Judaism. So, yeah, I think I also pointed this out in one of our last episodes about this Council of Janiah, uh, which kind of settled the canon of the Old Testament, though. Mm-hmm. And so, again, the reason why they even wanted to settle the canon and these religious leaders in Judaism wanted to settle the Old Testament canon was because this increased Hellenization that was plaguing Judea and they wanted yeah. to get it right. And yeah. so in the same way, the reason why we have our New Testament, or at least our, our canon that we have, the Bible that we mm. have today, was precisely because of heresy as well. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> if it wasn't, so we'll talk about Gnosticism in a second. The, if it wasn't for Gnosticism and Marcion and all of these heresies, there wouldn't have been a need to form the canon and to yeah. make sure that, hey, no, this this is right doctrine, this is correct. So you can almost think heresy for the reason why we have yeah. uh, like the canon and the Bible and and, and things today, mm-hmm. and so the fair. So you're seeing these six responses. And as far as like the Pharisees and the Sadducees, um, I guess what would you be correct in saying, or would I be correct in comparing them to like because um, they were both in the same religion, they just believed different things as far as like the details. So. Mm-hmm. Would it be more like high church Protestants versus, you know, your, your local Pentecostal church kind of thing? Where it's like the high church Protestants are more like calm, cool, collective, well-to-do people. And like the, yeah. when you think of like general, um, oh, it's the Pentecostal evangelical, you should think of more local church, you know, Baptist, Church of God, Assembly of God, you know, stuff like that. Um yeah, so kind of like that, or is that a little my little off there? Um, I mean, there there is distinction there. I, I would almost say that both of them were kind of very religious and uppity uppity, and okay. uh, you know because I mean there is both, and you know there's uh, you know both in both realms, but maybe I guess mm-hmm. maybe thinking like um, more like Lutheran Episcopalian um, like that versus uh, more common evangelical as far as far as like belief systems go. Yeah, I mean, again, both Christians, or at least both of those groups, still believe in the supernatural. And oh, whereas the, the Sadducees, the Sadducees are just kind of like, yeah, there's no coming resurrection. And actually, here's a verse that perfectly illustrates this. In Acts 23, verse 8, it says, uh, For the Sadducees say that there is no resurrection, nor angel, nor spirit, but the Pharisees acknowledge them all. Um, and so I, I love how even the Bible just uh, perfectly describes <laughs> this for us. I mean, we know this yeah. from other, uh, you know, from other texts, and we know their belief systems. But I love how the mm. Bible just explicitly tells you, yeah, the Sadducees, there's, they don't believe in resurrection, nor angels, nor the spirit, nor the supernatural, and all that. Whereas the Pharisees, yeah. they acknowledge them all. So really, the Pharisees they do that in there help us out later on. <laughs> yeah, the, the Pharisees. Uh, they, honestly, the Pharisees have the best. Uh, you, you're, kind, you're kind of rooting for them as opposed to all the other groups that are going on in the new Testament right now. And mm-hmm. part, partly maybe why Jesus deals with them the most, because they're actually caring about and involved with society and what people believe. It's like, Oh, you're believing in this. What you believe is the Messiah. Hey, let's check that out. Let's make sure we vet that, you know, because yeah. Pharisees are very concerned with the spiritual climate of, of yeah. Israel, of Judea. So like you, I don't know if you're about to go into this or not. If you are, you know, I'll 
I'll, I'll stop. But <laughs> so you, you have all these Jewish sects that are are sects mm-hmm. as in SECT. Um, you have all these groups um, that are emerging and are all kind of in a way at each other's throats. <laughs> yeah. And there's all this stuff going on. And this is the world that Jesus shows up in. And exactly. Jesus doesn't really conform or fit in with any of them. And that's mm-hmm. why all of them are like, get him out of here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it makes them both. Yeah, exactly. You see this already tension between the Pharisees and the yeah. Sadducees. And Jesus makes them both kind of, I guess, on the Angry. same page. It's like, we need to oppose this dude. Yeah. Because uh, he, uh, uh, I mean, uh, if anything, the Aseans, I think, were more on page with Jesus. Because they were um, Jewish and they were into, Ju- the, you know, they were very... You know, strict with what they believed with Judaism and everything, but I mm-hmm. think they were pretty well discerning of who Jesus was, and they knew he was or the, what the who Messiah he was, was and where he was coming and that kind of thing. So they were more, if anything, they were more kind of um, in a better state of mind to accept Jesus as opposed to the Pharisees and Sadducees. I would think. Yeah, well, and you got to think too that uh, the the Pharisees, with good reason, are very concerned about. Um, yeah. You know, people being led into false uh, teachings, yeah. and uh, and so because again, they're concerned about what people believe and about not incur. You know, they don't want to incur the wrath of God on them yeah. again. They're already <laughs> under oppression. Oh no, uh, not again! <laughs> exactly. <laughs> then they just get through the Greek occupation, and you know, then the Maccabean revolt, and now the Romans are there, and so they're like, they want the Messiah to be a military leader, and they're expecting that. But you know, Jesus is going to be you know, have more of that kind of a mm-hmm. um, appearance for his second coming, but his first coming wasn't that way. So that's why they're like, you're not here to overthrow the, uh, overthrow the Romans. You're not the Messiah. Like, what the heck are you doing? Yeah. And uh, and honestly, you see, even like connecting this to today, Christians, right? Mm-hmm. What does increased secularization do to people? Or or maybe you could say an oppressive regime or, or like, like you can almost think of when the USSR took over uh, Eastern Europe. And a lot of these churches and a lot of these Christians there. And and so you kind of see the same six responses that you do. You see people like the Herodians, which align with this political regime and try to be buddy-buddy and, and maybe have some favor and, you know, they'll have a good life, right? And yeah. they kind of adopt the, politi- you know, the politics and the, um, you know, the favor, right? And then you have people like... Uh, the the Sadducees, which you know they're still religious, uh, but they're they're kind of maybe compromising some of the ideals per se. Mm-hmm. They're more concerned with how things work out legally, uh, how things work out on a um, not per, always you know not per se a political level, but at, at some level a political level, but more concerned mm-hmm. with you know uh, dealing with people and, and things like that. And yeah. you know they have compromised. They're more secular at least. They're very mu- much more secular. And just increase, you know, align with let's just say this USSR regime, right? Yeah. Uh, and then you, there's people that are like the zealots, where they're like, you know what, we're just going to take up arms and resist. Uh, yeah. We're going to resist them uh, at all cost, right? Yeah. Uh, and then you see other people like the Essenes, where it's like, no, we just have to remove ourselves from society. That's yeah. the way we're going to respond to it. We just need to go hide in the wilderness. In the woods, in the wilderness. <laughs> that way we can practice our true religion. And then yeah. you have people, I mean, you have like people like the Samaritans, which are just, you know, that are aligned there. And, and that, that's kind of a specific category. So it's hard to, to align, yeah. you know, make one for one for connection for that. But then you have people like the Pharisees, which, you know, they're also religious leaders. They're also concerned about, 
you know, dealing they're, they're having to deal in this middleman of dealing with this regime, mm-hmm. and then they're dealing with the people, and they're trying to, you know, maintain like, order or law, and they're also yeah. kind of legalistic too. But they're more concerned with the religious life and the and mm-hmm. the um, the spiritual health of people, and trying to maintain their their religion in the midst mm-hmm. of an oppressive regime. Yeah. And so you see all six responses really to anything. Um, in like really increased secularization of anything. And you see that with Christians, yeah. you know, you see Christians that want to fight against uh, militarily um, mm-hmm. things like that. I mean, think, yeah. think of also the crusades, right? Yeah. Uh, you have something <laughs> like Islam coming in and taking over the Eastern church. And right. you have uh, people that, you know, kind of like the zealots who are like, no, the only way to really press it is, you know, to take it over is to just do something militarily. So those, those yeah. are like the zealots. And so whenever, Whenever people, when whenever you have this increased secularization, or in this case, you know, this paganism, this Hellenization, this Greek influence, people are going to respond very different ways. Yeah. And so, what what are you going to do, right? Are you going to be a part of what category? What six categories are you really aligning with? Or yeah. What, what's are you going to compromise your faith? Are you going to are you going to not? How does that look like? Are you going to mm-hmm. run away from society? Are you going to be involved in it? Are you, mm-hmm. like. So, are you going to fight against it? Are you going to be peaceful? So, yeah, it, it, this this chain this creates a lot of tension and a lot of uh, th- this is definitely a lot of craziness going on when Jesus comes up on the scene. Yeah, <laughs> when Jesus shows up, it's like, yeah. Um, you Some know, would say it was probably the worst time for him to show up, but <laughs> also the best time. Also the best. So, because they want him to make make a decision, they want him to to. Uh, you know, what group are you a part of, Jesus? Yeah. Uh, you know, it's like, you know, this coin, should we pay taxes to Caesar or not? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I was just about to say, and he shows up and says, render unto Caesar. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And and just another one when was, was when they asked him about a divorce. And so yeah. what's interesting is there's also two schools of thought. There was a school of Hillel and there's a school of Shammai. And these two kind of uh, thoughts or, or schools of thought within Judaism are also at tension with one another. And the Shammai group, you know, Shammai was very strict to the letter, this is how you interpret the Bible. Uh, and so then you have the school of Hillel, which was more like a little more open, right? Oh, and that's so, not Superman's dead. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> school was, of Kalel. Oh, that's Kalel. Yeah, yeah. But Hillel was... Uh, you know, on divorce, basically, here's one mm-hmm. issue. Uh, they were like, Shammai was like, no, there's the only way you can, if, if you can get a divorce is you look at the Old Testament, it was, you know, through sexual immorality or, or, or something else, right? Yeah. Uh, and Hillel was like, well, there could be a lot more causes to uh, divorce. And so that, you know, they're, they're a little more open to interpretation on these things. Maybe you could mm-hmm. say a less literalist. Uh, interpretation or, or a certain way of interpreting scripture. And so they were a little bit more liberal, and then the other group was a little bit more conservative. <laughs> I guess you could say that. Um, yeah. And so then they, they asked Jesus the same question. It's like kind of choosing between. It's like, uh, so, uh, you know, the law of Moses says that if you provide a certificate for your divorce and, and all this, you know, yeah. and all that. <laughs> and Jesus is like, instead of really answering the question, he, again, he's awesome. He's Jesus. It's like, it's like, you know, Moses gave you a certificate of divorce. Blah, blah, blah. You know, he, he doesn't even answer the question really about divorce. He just goes, it's like, well, this is what it should be. It's like, this is, you know, it wasn't mm-hmm. so from the beginning. Like, mm-hmm. you know, what, 
marriage is supposed to be again like what mm -hmm. you know a man shall leave his father and mother and cling to his wife and the two shall become one flesh and and mm -hmm. all of that right and so and notice uh, he didn't say that it was two halves become one he said two ones become one two whole two whole oh people. yeah yeah so and, you know, a lot of people talk about finding your other half but that's not necessarily a good way to look at it it's like I just split down the middle. Yeah. <laughs> well, there's interesting stuff though with Genesis where it kind of actually depicts like two halves to a whole with this vision of the side. But we'll get that. We'll get in that with our Genesis series. But okay, I guess uh, you know, two halves of the whole. <laughs> but uh, it's yeah, he, they're wanting Jesus to pick sides, right? Yeah. Politically, like, mm -hmm. are you going to be a part of the scenes, part of the part of the uh, the you know, Herodians, or are you going to side? And even yeah. the Samaritan woman, which mountain? This mountain or that mountain? Yeah. Everywhere he goes, people are and, wanting him to pick sides. And really, Jesus just gets to the heart of the matter, and he just gets right down to the, sees right through it, gets down to the nitty-gritty, and he gets down to the, the principle, the philosophical, spiritual core of it. And then they realize, dang, both, both neither side matters. <laughs> yeah. And I love this comment. This actually perfectly describes it. Yeah, Judaism was fractured into hundreds of movements in the first century, different responses to Roman rule. And that's exactly, I mean, think of human psychology, right? Mm -hmm. So people uh, people respond very differently when, when people, you know, when things happen to you that are bad, you yeah. know, when you're being oppressed, when things are the way you want them to be. And so some people compromise in some ways. Some people become extremists in other ways. And there's movements of, you know, trying in all sorts of different uh, ways, right? Because they're trying to deal or cope with this this Greco-Roman influence, this rule. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, and like I said, like we said before, it was the best of times, it was the worst of times. When Jesus yeah. showed up, everybody wanted him to pick a side, yeah. but, he, but he wouldn't <laughs> pick a side. And yeah. he instead established a new kingdom, and, you know, all of a sudden it grows all the way to this day you know it's like mm -hmm. the, the the rock that struck the image and grew you know yeah back to back to daniel you know and <laughs> it just continues to grow and i i just love how this is the scene where jesus shows up in yeah and, it's very interesting and just kind of how it all you know things kind of turned at that point not just because <laughs> of you know, and because of during world history, but also because of Jesus coming and all that, like it just all that's just kind of a turning point in general. Yeah. And uh, I mean, even our, our own uh, calendar, per se, we, we it's like the year uh, BC and mm -hmm. 80. And it's yeah. like it's so surrounded. I mean, Jesus is the most important uh, figure in human history. And so yeah. we really did. Uh, he, he came into a, quite a quite a, an Quite a political, situation. <laughs> yeah, a situation uh, yeah. in a political environment, a, uh, a religious environment, and somehow turn the world upside down, which mm -hmm. is which is just crazy. And so, um, going on, there's actually another uh, passage in in here in Mark 12, which I was going to illustrate, uh, also kind of confirming a lot of what we were talking about with these groups and the Pharisees yeah. and, and the Sadducees. Uh, I should grab my Bible. That'd be a good idea. 12, uh, yeah, 12, 18. So you're seeing this uh, with the Sadducees, right? Where and the and Sadducees came to him, who say that there is no resurrection. So there you go again. Yeah. And the Sadducees <laughs> saying there's no coming resurrection, uh, and they asked him a question, saying, "Teacher, Moses wrote for us that if a man's brother dies and leaves a wife, but leaves no child, the man must take the widow and raise up offspring for his brother." 
there were seven brothers, the first one, and he goes into this pair, you know, trying to trip Jesus up, right? It's like, uh, well, basically, if, if this woman marries all these men, and then all of a sudden they uh, they go to heaven, whose wife is, is she? Yeah. And Jesus is like, oh, here we go. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. <laughs> and I love that because, again, these Sadducees are trying to pick on this belief of the, res- of the afterlife. Yeah. They're trying, they're trying to, oh, see, here's a contradiction in your belief of the afterlife, right? Trying to trip them up because they don't believe in an afterlife. They don't believe yeah. in the resurrection. Uh, and Jesus, you know, saying, and we actually talked about the scripture with the book of Enoch, of how, you know, he called it scripture and everything. Uh, right. You know, and neither, uh, you know, Jesus said to them, is this not the reason you are wrong? Because you know neither the scriptures nor the power of God. I mean, that's pretty harsh, but again, yeah. it's sad to see, so, okay? <laughs> For when they rise from the dead, they neither marry or nor are given in marriage, but are like angels in heaven. And as for the dead being raised, have you not read in the book of Moses? Which again, this is this is a, a really good like like uh, comeback to them yeah. because. Remember, the Sadducees only really care about the Torah, about the law of Moses. Yeah. And so he's using the law of Moses to just, like, right back at him, right? He used the stones to destroy the stones. <laughs> exactly. It's like, you know, perfect Thanos moment, right? He used the stones to, to destroy the stones. So, Which passage were you in, by the way? Um, Mark 12, uh, verse 18 okay. through 27. And so, like... It's like, don't, don't you know the scriptures? And it's like, uh, for the, wait, let me find, oh yeah, so it's like, uh, have you not read in the book of Moses, in the passage about the bush, how God spoke to him saying, I am the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. He is not God of the dead, but of the living. You are quite wrong. So it's like, oh, <laughs> because just, if you're, they're like, uh, um, <laughs> I, I, um, you know, <laughs> yeah, I mean, like that, that's just crazy. The fact that, uh, the Sadducees are just like, you know, they only, they're secular, right? They're more secular. They, they believe, they don't really believe in the supernatural and, and that to them, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are dead and they're you not know, there, but it's like, then he's like, Hey, you believe in the law of Moses, don't you? It's like, I, you know, mm-hmm. the Lord says I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's not the God of the dead, but the God of the living. Yeah, he didn't say I was the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I am the God of Abraham, and so yeah. the Sadducees are like, "Yeah, you got us." <laughs> Dang it, you got us on that one. <laughs> yeah. All right, we'll try again next time. <laughs> and so I know a lot of people are kind of confused with the difference between the Pharisees and Sadducees. So hopefully that kind of um, gave you a little, guys a little bit of insight of the differences there between yeah. the Sadducees and the Pharisees. Um, yeah, because like you said, they get a bad rap a lot of times, but it was just more of none of, uh, mm-hmm. not maybe an unfortunate circumstance isn't the right way to put it, but it was just circumstantial. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I love this trick question, which our Lord dodged artfully. Yes, very artfully. <laughs> I mean, well, yeah, exactly. Uh, Jesus hasn't been on the Sadducees' radar too much yet. Until this point, most of Jesus' controversy comes through his rejection of extra biblical laws of the scribes and the Pharisees. So, yeah, I mean. The, again, the Pharisees are always like they're more on the the grassroots, right? They're more concerned mm-hmm. with the people, and they also have what what's this oral tradition, this kind of mm-hmm. oral law, and so these ex, these things that are not part of Scripture, right? Uh, and so, yeah, the the Pharisees are trying to reform society, but by reforming society, they're actually adding laws that are unhelpful, <laughs> and actually sometimes 
conflicting with scripture. Yeah. And so Jesus is like, no, the scripture is true. Your man, your traditions are not. And you're seeing this kind of thing. Yeah. But when he does encounter the Sadducees, which like, it's like we said, the Sadducees are on like a high, like a, not a higher level, but kind of, they're more aristocratic. They're, they're, they're less involved with the people, the common people. And yeah. so when Jesus shows up on the Sadducees radar, now things are kind of like, okay, this guy's, <laughs> this guy's making waves. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, the, these small encounters, the few encounters he did have with the Sadducees, he just totally whipped him, man. He just, <laughs> just like he gave him what for. He gave him what for, and so the sad he didn't make really friends with the Sadducees here. Yeah, uh, um, yeah or with I mean, anybody really. I mean, it also you know, Jesus even said he didn't come to you know make friends. He came to bring division like a sword and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. I and can't think is, of the, the verse verbatim, but you know, that's the gist of it. Yeah. And this is a good uh, comparison here. Uh, this, you know, this walks into, okay, the Pharisees who are too much legalism, you know, because they're so concerned with reforming society and, and mm-hmm. returning society back to God. And the Sadducees who, again, just deny resurrection, deny supernatural and more secular, all yeah. this stuff. I mean, this is, you see this, uh, this tension here, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it was very, very uh tumultuous and uh oh yeah yeah so that didn't help the the situation but it uh you know also was important at the same time because mm-hmm. someone had to come and settle it if you think of it so yeah think, and think that way this is also another good comment the variety of this uh, of these movements are creating this tension of really who's in who's in charge i mean rome's yeah. in charge but it's like who has power in this roman yeah. area of palestine right uh the herods you know were or stooges, basically. <laughs> uh, and again, the, not all the Jews liked the Herodians, especially again, yeah. they're not Ju- from Judea, right? They, mm-hmm. they usurped the the Hasmonean dynasty, which was part of there. You know, you have this Edomite now Herodian dynasty, which is you know they don't like as much. Uh, and you know the Jews were hoping for a Pharisee or Sadducee or a Zealot or another Jewish movement or anybody, really anybody, yeah. to be in charge because <laughs> it's like. Uh, yeah, I mean, we, somebody, we need anybody, somebody, and they were hoping for the Messiah, especially. Yeah. And here comes Jesus, who was from Galilee, and Galileans were looked down upon. Yeah, because they're—I mean—they're more north than Samaritans. They're just up in the boonies. And <laughs> this, cause does anything good come from Galilee? Or yeah, they even said, "Does anything come from Nat? Like anything good?" Or was it Nazareth? Was it Nazareth or Galilee? Nazareth, but oh, okay, Nazareth okay. is in Galilee. But okay, basically, yeah. you could probably they were saying the same thing. It's like, can yeah. anything good come from Galilee either? It's like, yeah. especially <laughs> in a Jewish context, right? Right. They're more secular, and yeah, it's like you're more mm-hmm. removed from Jerusalem and the true faith, and yeah, it's just, yeah. I mean, this is this is the climate, and so, anyways, quick summary here. When you know, this isn't a, a history. Uh, series so maybe we need to do a, a biblical history series or a church history series but cool. but in, lo and behold christianity happens and then now we have, <laughs> after after christianity that's a good yeah. transition right okay jesus yeah. happens great disciples they write books something happened there it's, Bible, you know, blah 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 all of this <laughs> 70 ad happens you know jerusalem gets taken over all this stuff christianity spreads pentecost happens christianity spreads all this good stuff and then we have the Gnostics. Yeah, the Gnostics. <laughs> the Gnostics. Apparently, there's still Gnostics around today. Like, I still see some modern 
books about it and people that believe in it and teach it. But oh, I don't doubt it at all. It's kind of it's kind of like it's kind of blended with stoic uh, stoics a little bit stoicism mm-hmm. or whatever they call that. But um, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, it's still around. It's not as prominent, but I mean, there's still there's still people that you know believe in the Greek and Roman pantheons too. So I mean, it never truly dies, but not as prominent as it used to be. I mean, it was pretty big deal back in the day. So the Gnostics, man. <laughs> Gnostics. And so the Gnostics are, again, an unhealthy blend between this Greek philosophy or the, even theology as well. Yeah. Because there is some distinction there, but this this Greek thought and Jewish way of life and thought. Yeah. And so you're seeing this seep into Christianity as well. And Gnosticism, I like to almost point out as the world, like one of the world's oldest conspiracy theories, or <laughs> conspiracy or groups. Um, you could say, yeah, secret societies. You could say, See, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, maybe not secret, but I mean, because people knew about them, but yeah. They, it's kind of like kind of like the Masons, where it's like everyone knows who they are, but not everybody's part of them, kind of thing. Yeah, they're kind of uh, it really is interesting. And so, Gnosticism, they didn't really call themselves Gnostics. Uh, this is something that we have attributed to them later, okay. you know, in historians and everything, because it's more of like a school of thought. It's not yeah. because there's also a variety within Gnosticism. There's groups within Gnosticism, and not not all of them agree, mm-hmm. but. You're, they kind of all get placed in this big category of Gnostics. Yeah. Um, which, again, is like also... St. Augustine, one of the church fathers, was part of a branch of Gnosticism. Mm-hmm. Until, so, yeah, he... Mm-hmm. And then he left it and yeah. got and then, saved. And then everyone... <laughs> yeah. And then everybody, you know, collectively started beating up on the Gnostics, the early church fathers, that is. <laughs> yeah. Because, I mean, it was, it was an issue. It was important. I mean... Um, Mm-hmm. Uh, who was it? Irenaeus that wrote against heresies, but he was talking about the Gnostics. <laughs> yeah, and Tertullian. He okay. uh, mo- a lot of the early church fathers really gave the Gnostics man a, a whip. They gave, they gave him what for? <laughs> they gave him what for? Because they, they thought they were polluting the gospel. I yeah. mean, they were, and they kind of were. I got some, you know, some articles here that's like, well, how in the world did they get that? <laughs> yeah, but yeah, so, they were, it was bad. So, uh, yeah, I'll kind of introduce some of the definitions of Gnosticism, and then you can go into some of your sources on, on the Gnostics as well, okay. which would be good. You know, we're introducing this concept of Gnosticism, right? Yeah. Uh, because we're going to get into the Gnostics. I'm going to need a beverage, so excuse me a moment. <laughs> Sounds good. Uh, but you see this uh, this change between uh, Judaism to Christianity, right? So Christianity is going to create a lot of influence. Obviously, it's going to... Uh, spread throughout the world but by the first and second centuries it's still not a big movement it's not a entirely um political it's a it's a grassroots type of deal it's a grassroots movement from the ground up christianity is and so there's an element of christianity which is still sort of uh like a secret society in a way it's still sort of like un. it doesn't have political power per se not at least until uh you lead up to um Constantine the Great, and so you're you're seeing this kind of um, another this group of Christians, which is even more like less of this authoritative role per se. I mean, they're even more secluded and uh, yeah. than you could say, or loose. Yeah, organ. This is a good way, loosely organized. You know, they're <laughs> yeah. they're, they're not a they're groups of of schools of thought 
that are even more separated from Christianity. And Christianity is already pretty separated from the rest of the world at this point. Yeah. Um, and just to clarify, when I said grab a beverage, green tea. Nothing <laughs> <laughs> <Up and> dirty. <laughs> That's funny. Um, and so a lot about what we know about the Gnostics are, one, people who wrote against them, uh, like the early church fathers, because the early church fathers really uh, didn't like Gnostics. Uh, and also the Nag Hammadi Library, which uh, a lot of their texts that we find. And so a lot of these are also from, um, you know, most of them are from the 4th century AD. So think about 300, 400 years after uh, Jesus and the disciples. And so a lot of these writings could be dated to this point, but uh, scholars also place a lot of these writings even before through textual criticism and other early documents up until the 2nd century. So Gnosticism as a whole is really a, a movement that's seen to be uh, a second century movement uh, and writings as well. And so notice the stuff comes about after Jesus is around and they're adding to or distorting what Jesus taught and what the Christians were teaching too. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so it's, it, you're, you're seeing this. Um, <laughs> are you laughing at the comment there? Yeah. See that <laughs> Indians fans do tend to drink during games to forget about the game. So good call out there. My weekly sports yeah. <laughs> you are yeah, from my Ohio. My family, so. Yeah, my family's originally from Ohio. So as far as baseball goes, I'm an Indians fan. But uh, just, you know, I haven't actually watched an MLB game yet this year. <laughs> just because, I mean, they, we don't get Indians games. And for some reason, I never see their stuff on social media. So I forget to ke uh, keep up with them sometimes. But I'm a huge fan. Primarily a football fan, and I enjoy other sports. But don't don't try to weasel your way out of it, man. Just own it. <laughs> Just yeah, own it. Indians, you're you're an Indians man. fan. The Indians, man. I do love the Indians, though. Even though I may not watch their games consistently, I do love the Indians. So, <laughs> yeah. well, anyways, so Gnostics. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so you have uh, a couple big characteristics of Gnosticism. So again, this is a, a, a big characterization that's you know a broad theology of all Gnostics, mm. um, things like uh, they rejected a bodily resurrection. So they they thought that the flesh was evil and the spirit good. And they're really drawing upon, again, Greek thought of dualism. Okay. So this dualistic anthropology, that would be kind of the, the first point. Mm. And so Jews, uh, <laughs> believe it or not, were not really dualists as much or at least not they weren't really you couldn't separate them as much like the body and the soul right yeah so to jews the body and the soul were almost inseparable to they yeah. were more they were more modest and this this is why they believed in a resurrection as opposed mm -hmm. to oh my spirit leaves my body and goes to like the afterlife right yeah. because to 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 jews they they're like they don't really have a, a dualistic anthropology as much. And so their afterlife is directly uh, correlated to a bodily resurrection. Hmm. So to a Jew, you know, that, and even to this day, some of the traditions of why they wouldn't cremate, they, they have a, oh, okay. a, a burial and, and, you know, so cause yeah. they're, they're awaiting a bodily resurrection. So when and, Paul says with Paul being a Jew, a Jew of Jews, he, um, <clears throat> when he talked about being absent from the bodies to be present with the Lord and all that, do you think that was just a true spiritual revelation or do you think that was Greek influenced? 
Probably both. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to be honest. They're going to be like, well, the Greeks actually had that part right because it's true kind of thing. Like we, you know, we have a soul. And again, the, the Jews did have a concept of it, like an, a, a nefesh, a soul, a spirit, like, you know, something that, and, you know, people are animated. They're, they're not just matter, right? There's something mm-hmm. within us that is very, uh, you know, that is different than the body. Like we have mm-hmm. a body, we're a body, but the Jewish anthropology, even though that there, there is a difference between soul and body, that they're not some things that are just completely separate categories. Yeah. They're things that are connected, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas to a Greek, Greeks have this, this very uh, evident dualism between spirit and body, right? And the Greeks have like, you know, oh, you're in a body and it's just like, it's just something that you have to deal with. It's like a turtle in a shell. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's something that's temporal. Yeah. And so and not- they probably, they probably, um, it probably didn't help with like the, um, I guess with the, like denying your flesh kind of thing, like, and how, you know, mm-hmm. your, your well, flesh is the sinful part kind of thing, or did that come later? Cause I thought that was something that well, they Paul said believe. that. Okay. Yeah. And so, but you, you see this, this, uh, difference between where Paul is like speaking to a Greco Roman audience, but okay. giving good theology. And mm-hmm. then you see this, the, these Christians or these Gnostics, which then assimilate more Greek influence, because again, you see good, this Greco Roman influence <clears throat> going into Judea. Yeah. And it's infecting is you could say Jewish life. And there's these six responses that come out of this Greco Roman influence. And then now Christian Christianity comes on the scene, changes the world. But even though Christianity changes the world, you it's coming out of this context of both Greek and Jewish, uh, you know, thinking con- context. Yeah, thinking. Yeah. And now with this increasing again secular and Greco-Roman influence, it's actually seeping itself into Christian theology. And now you see it within Gnostics. And so Gnosticism is a, I guess you could say, an assimilation or adoption of even more Greco-Roman thought into Christian doctrine. And some of it is even really unhealthy. It it contradicts the Christian faith. I mean, if like some of the information is true, that's one thing. But when it's not true (laughs) and it starts becoming taught that way, you know, then that's Mm -hmm. a problem. But like, I mean, we even still believe that like our spirit leaves our body when we die and that kind of thing. So in that Mm -hmm. regard, you know, that wasn't. Mm-hmm. wrong now there's other things that were wrong but <laughs> yeah but they, so. they but their their uh, anthropology was so extreme that they viewed all material life as evil and that being in this fleshy body that's like oh you the pure the re- the real thing is is the spirit right mm-hmm. and so th- there's no sense as like the body this is just eh, like this is yeah. sinful like you're you're just having to endure being in a sinful body and so the real life is it is a spiritual existence right With, that, yeah. that's absent from body but then the bible contradicts this because he says oh there's a new heavens and a new earth and you have a new glorious body yeah. <laughs> and so to a gnostic it's like no, no 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 you don't have a new body yeah like whoa the body material is is simple and it, this goes to the extreme point to where they, they then reject that jesus came in the flesh yeah he was an apparition yeah so it's like if jesus never came in the flesh and he never resurrected from the dead that's why they didn't believe in a bodily resurrection of jesus that i mean you just threw christianity out of the yeah like out of the you know just yeah. out at that point but 
you're seeing how this Greek influence within you know Gnostic Christianity is is now actually divorcing them from Orthodox Christianity, where they don't only just believe that there's a difference between the soul and the body. They believe that it's so different that you know the body is actually evil, and if the body's evil, then that means Jesus never actually had a body, and he never resurrected. And also, if all material is evil, God couldn't have created that. Therefore, yeah. to a Gnostic, everything, that, that's the second point, they had a dualistic uh, theology as well, that everything material wasn't actually created by God. <laughs> Yeah. It was it was created by a lesser evil deity yeah. <laughs> named the Demiurge, or there's a couple other names it goes by depending on the Gnostic sect. But you're seeing how wait, wow, these people believe this? It's like Yeah. <laughs> it's like they, you're you're saying now but you see how this, this train of thought leads where they're separating this dualistic of like, oh, if if material is evil, then that means it couldn't have been created by a perfect God, which means that all of a sudden they're thinking, uh, oh, the 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 God of this world or the, the even the Old Testament, which was the Marcion heresy, and that must be a different God. Like the true God must be completely spiritual, right? And so yeah. this comes into their writings mm -hmm. uh, very evidently. And yeah. the third point, and last with with the Gnostics, is that they. Uh, because of this, they thought they had secret knowledge. Well, that's what gnosis means. And actually, somebody pointed out in the comics, gnosis means knowledge in Greek, yeah, like mm -hmm. intimate knowledge. So gnosis, right? Like like the knowledge, the Gnostic, where we get Gnosticism from. It's because they believed they had this secret knowledge, right? Yeah. Uh, and this is... That's a good point. That's a, that's a that's a good giveaway to pointing out heresy when they believe that they specifically got secret knowledge that nobody else knows. Conspira <laughs> that's the point of conspiracy yeah. theory. That's the perfect point. Uh, and so, let me... Oh, yeah, this is a good uh, uh, illustration of this, and then I'll hand it over to you because I know you have some stuff. Uh, this sure. It says, this is actually right out of the Gospel of Judas, which is a Gnostic work, right? The Gospel of Judas, you've probably heard of this like thing. is like, oh, why is the Gospel of Judas not included in the Bible? Well, it was written by Gnostics, and you can see why, because it says, here it starts... The secret account of the revelation that Jesus spoke in conversation with Judas Iscariot during a week, three days before he celebrated Passover. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? That sounds legit. <laughs> it says, when Jesus appeared on earth. See, notice this yeah. language here. It just completely contradicts everything else in the New yeah. Testament. When Jesus appeared on earth, he performed miracles and great wonders for the salvation of humanity. And since some walked in the way of righteousness, while others walked in their transgressions, the twelve disciples were called. He began, yada yada yada. Uh, one day he was with his disciples in Judea, and he found them gathered together and seated in pious observance. Uh, when he approached his disciples, he gathered together and seated and offered, offering a prayer of thanksgiving over the bread. He laughed. The disciples said to him, "Master, why are you laughing at our prayer of thanksgiving? We have done what is right." And notice in the Gospel of Jesus, Jesus said, all right, uh, he answered them, I am not laughing at you. Are You are not doing this because of your own will, but because it is through this that your God will be praised. They said, Master, you are the Son of our God. Jesus, Jesus said to them, how do you know me? Truly I say to you, no generation of the people that are among us, among you, will know me. Again, the secret knowledge. I'm bestowing yeah. something 
secret to you that oh the the god that you serve the god of israel that's not the real god that that's like part of the 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 lesser material god i, I am the true spiritual god i'm just appearing to you i'm here to give you secret knowledge and only through secret knowledge can you be saved so this yeah. is again if you're Gnostic, and, that's, please, and that's like this this is a gnostic book the secret book of john oh yeah <laughs> Yeah, you it's like this much about me secret <laughs> where it's like he's uh where their their faces shrink he's like oh oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so spongebob quote for everything there really is yeah but uh anyway sorry no you're good so the oh is that uh, i thought you were you gonna read it or oh no i was just saying that was a title i mean that's one of the books oh, okay. it was called the secret book of john to go along with your secret thing you know that yeah. just kind of keeps with that uh, you know, narrative. the thread. I mean, that's what Gnostics believe. They believe that they have secret knowledge, and that therefore, though, only, to be saved, you have to come into this secret knowledge in this kind of almost secret society to believe their theology, and only through this gnosis, this knowledge, will you mm -hmm. then attain to this spiritual reality that is absent from material reality. And to go and, with that point, uh, if I may, uh, there's this is from a Gnostic creation myth, like um, one of their creation books. Mm -hmm. um, but they called it Adam, Child of Demons, and His Salvation. So it's their version. <laughs> yeah, it's their version of creation. But listen to how they word it and see how it, um, you know, goes with you know what you were saying. It's not very long, mm -hmm. just um, you know, a couple, maybe a paragraph. But mm -hmm. um, yeah, so this is what it says. Um, as AZ, the evil mother of all demons, grew angry and raged for her own purposes. From the dirt of male and female demons, she made this body and entered it. Then from the five elements of light, Lord Ormuzd's uh, O-H-R-M-U-Z-D uh, armor, she formed the good soul and chained it into the body. So you can see evil dirt, you know, good spirit. Yeah, but connected yeah. to the body <clears throat> she made the first man like someone blind and deaf unconscious and deluded that from the beginning he might not know his true origin and family she created the body as a prison and chained the grieved soul into it my jailers are robbers male and female demons witches firmly she chained the soul into the fraudulent body and made it hateful and evil angry and vengeful but lord or uh, I don't know how to pronounce that, but <laughs> yeah. uh, had mercy on the souls and came down to earth in human form. He maimed the evil Oz. Then he revealed to man and woman all that was and will be. He quickly showed that his body of flesh was not made by Lord Armuzd, nor was the soul chained by him. The wise soul of the fortunate was resurrected. He believed in the knowledge of Armuzd, the good Lord. All injections, injunctions, and orders, and so and seals of peace, he fully accepted like a like a hero. He put off the body of death and was saved for eternity. He ascended into paradise into the land of the blessed. So you can see kind of like where they not only the evil matter and the spirit is good. You can not only see that part, but you can see how they're playing off of Genesis, where the man was formed out of dirt. So you can get that part, mm -hmm. and then. You can see, um, uh, what's the name? Uh, let's see, Lord Armuzd or Armuzd, however you say mm -hmm. that name, uh, came and revealed knowledge the true, to yeah, the true revealed, God, revealed knowledge to the created being and mm -hmm. freed him and all that, which is kind of in a way diluting or kind of, um, 
taking Satan coming into the garden and saying, you know, if you eat this tree, you'll know everything like God. If you eat the fruit yeah. of this tree, you'll know everything like God. So you can see how all of this is all very twisted forms of the scripture. Mm-hmm. I mean, they very changed the creation account. Yeah. Like, how do you explicitly change the creation account? <laughs> That's pretty different, too. In like, both, where do they get all that? In both Genesis and the book of John, chapter 1. Yeah. And then people will say things like, well, why isn't the gospel of... Uh, why, why aren't these Gnostic works included in the Bible? See, Christianity is just really trying to... Because they're named after the you know the people in the Bible. They're yeah, named Gospel of Judas, John, Gospel of Judas, Thomas. Thomas, Barnabas, like all these people. It's like, see, this is religious oppression, and they, the, it, it makes they, it's always picking and choosing what books they want because they are uh, dictating what they want you to think. I mean, yes and no, because it's like, well, would do you want something in your canon that completely contradicts everything in the canon? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and it's I like. Mean, yeah. And it was written later, right? Obviously, the yeah. secret, what is this, the secret book of John or something like yeah. that? Written way after John lived. Yeah. And and then you have things like the Gospel of Judas. Okay, he hung himself. And so somehow he came back and wrote a book 100 years later, 120 yeah. years later. Well, here's a little um, just kind of a um, description or an introduction or just, I guess maybe just a description of the book of John and all this that I'm getting is from the, uh, it's a book called the other Bible or there we go. Ancient scripture. And, uh, uh, for the first time in one volume, uh, ancient scriptures, Gnostic gospels, Dead Sea Scrolls, visionary wisdom texts, Christian apocrypha, Jewish pseudepigrapha and the Kabbalah. So it's not saying that this is the real Bible. It's just kind of a clever term. The other Bible, it was the other books that were, not included you know, in not the included, canon. Yeah. So I just put, it's not, this one's not hard to find. It's not secret knowledge. Um, I got this at Books A Million, and I was there the other day. They still have it. Um, it's, it's easier to find. So if you want to add to it just for research, you know, if you want to grab it for research, it's not bad. But um, yeah. And honestly, so yeah. part of, again, part of this, like, your biblical brainstorm is like, we're, we're actually tackling this. It's not like, yeah. oh, we're suppressed. Like, don't read those books because yeah. that isn't true Christianity. No, we're actually reading you, like, <laughs> actual heretical books that yeah. aren't included in the Bible so that you can actually know why they're yeah. not included so in the Bible. You can think, so you can know, so you can really, you know, hash out what it is you believe and why. Yeah, you but it's like that. we shouldn't hide people from the Bible or from yeah. church history or from from the formation of the camp. I mean, that's why we're talking about this because you clearly see why certain books are in the Bible and why certain books are not. And to be honest, I mean, some of this stuff is too, not only too deep, but a little too weird for a lot of pastors to talk about on Sundays. Like they can't, you know, for the most part, you you can't really talk about this stuff because you never know who's going to come to church on a Sunday. And the Uh, important part to here's the gospel of Thomas on on your big, I'm actually a big screen. It's like, I mean, if you do a series and you describe what you're talking about, about Jesus and, you know, salvation and all that, that's one thing. But I mean, you have to, the whole point of Sunday and, you know, a normal average sermon is to talk about mere Christianity, to talk about Jesus, to talk about salvation. (laughs) And it's hard to talk about these things either because it's, you know, the pastor doesn't have time to study it because, you know, pastors are busy. Or uh, it's controversial, like you said, it's too deep. It would take a long time to hash out. But that's why, you know, Wednesday nights or weekly services, life groups, things like that, or even things like this are a good time for that. Um, You know, it's, but personally, I mean, you have a responsibility as a Christian too to study this stuff. 
Now you have to get down the basics first and, you know, you gradually increase, you know, what you're studying and everything so that, you know, it's important to have the discernment before you just start reading and believing any book that's mm-hmm. written by a Christian. So, I mean, some books, you know, they might sound good, but they're off just enough that, you know, you got to have that discernment to, mm-hmm. you know. And that's why we have the good, canon. And this is a perfect yeah. comment. Like you guys said last week, the canon is a litmus test for all of the truth. So, yeah. I mean, that's the point of the canon. And the reason, yeah. and next week we'll talk about the actual formation of the canon and, mm-hmm. and like how they settled on the books because they're Santa like... Santa Claus punched someone in the face. It's great. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for next week, Council of Nicaea stuff. But yeah. uh, it's interesting because it, that's exactly right. The reason why we have the canon was because heresy arose, but it's to actually have a measuring rod for what we test everything else. And yeah. so when you see other, all these other writings being written by these groups of Christians, all right, uh, in this case, what we call now later Gnostic Christians, these yeah. groups of Christians, what they viewed of themselves as t- at the time, because they called themselves Christians at the time. And so yeah. that's, that's the point. Like, that's why it's so dangerous, because there's people who call themselves Christians now, but they will actually pervert sound yeah. doctrine. <laughs> and yeah. so, but how do you know that they're off? Well, it's because of the canon. It's because of scripture. It's like you look at that and say, well, does this line up with this? No, God and, can reveal things to you, but if it's just way out in left field, then it might not have been God. <laughs> so that's, again, yeah. why the canon. Like, we're a continuationist here. We're not a cessationist. So we believe the gifts yeah. of the spirit have continued. But, yeah. like, even we said with something like prophecy, is that, well, prophecy is only really truly from God is if it lines up with the canon. Like if, if you're, if it doesn't line up with the Bible, then obviously it's not from God. Yeah. It's not true. And so you're saying, well, okay, here's these books like the gospel of Jesus, like the gospel of Thomas, like, like all this, you know, the gospel according to Mary, all this stuff, all these books were written like a hundred years or 200 or 300 years after uh, G- Jesus. And the, you know, even some of the other books that we have that are in the Bible why aren't they included in the canon? Well, because they actually contradict the canon, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, like, you're seeing, oh yeah, Virgin Heretic versus the Chad St. Nicholas. That, <laughs> that, that will actually, we'll have to talk about that story with uh, St. Nicholas next, <laughs> next week with, yeah. the, with the canon. So if you uh, want to know how Santa Claus was in the Council of Nicaea, tune in next week. <laughs> yeah. But uh, what's, uh, what's interesting, though, is you see this, this litmus test, right? The canon being formed and all of these other books that are contradicting. And it's because of this, this heresy. And even at this case, Greco-Roman influence that are seeping into Christianity and causing problems theologically. Uh, and here's a, here's another example. Here's straight from the gospel of Thomas. So again, reading from the gospel of Thomas, why isn't this included in the Bible? Well, you'll see. Uh, first verse. These are the secret sayings which the living Jesus spoke to Denimus Judas Thomas wrote down. I mean, like, this is exactly what we're talking about. All of these books have this characteristic of this, this, this secret knowledge, this, this, it's like a conspiracy theory. Yeah. And and, I mean, right from the get go, you already understand that, okay, this is written by Christians that definitely have a certain agenda in mind. That it's like this was this is what was this wasn't in the Bible this wasn't mm-hmm. in the old the Hebrew Bible this isn't in the uh, sayings of the apostles mm-hmm. no this is the secret knowledge that you didn't know but we're going to give it to you right yeah and so this and is the same, secret same, sayings of Jesus and that same measuring rod and that same um, issue in 
heresy and whatnot of the Gnostics for those same reasons. It's the same reason why we, you know, don't agree with um, the extra books of Mormon, why we don't agree mm-hmm. with, you know, Islam being, you know, revealed years after and mm-hmm. stuff like that, because, you know, if it needed revealed, it would have been revealed already. So mm. one of them things. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it's, it doesn't line up. It was added extra. Even Jesus said, you know, there's nothing's being added. This is this is what it is. It's all good. You know, I love how Revelation. Uh, it's like it, whoever adds to these words, and it's like, well, yeah, it kind of explicitly says whoever's whoever adds next book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, even yeah, I mean, well, listen, we'll listen, to this, the canon, listen, but... to the, listen to what the Gnostics say about um, or what the the secret book of John. This is a description of the secret book of John to show mm-hmm. how screwed up some of this was. So the secret book of John is a key Gnostic theogony, as well as a retelling of early Genesis as the Gnostics saw God, Adam, Eve, and the serpent, and Noah. The book was well known during the first centuries AD. Irenaeus knew its teaching when he composed against heresies in AD 185. And the book was still known in the 8th century by the audience of Mesopotamia. Is that how you say that? Audience? Audience? Yeah, A-U-D-I-A-N-S audience it sounds like it uh, <laughs> of mesopotamia but uh anyway of course the confusing word for most of us is god for the gnostics the highest deity is the father of light god the creator the yahweh of the bible is below him in the divine hierarchy and he is a jealous god because he knows that he is not the sole divine power i mean wow, wow. <laughs> yeah i mean exactly if you're if you're this type of christian are you really even a christian because but it's again, like it gets better though. <laughs> this is the Gnostics called Yahweh Ilda Boath, and they characterized him as a monstrous abortion of darkness who has trapped the light spirit of man in darkness and matter. Light spirit of man in darkness and matter. Yeah, because you get a material world. Like, yeah. Moreover, they believed that sin, <clears throat> sin and evil came about not through Adam and Eve's original disobedience but through God's very act of creation of the world and Adam, which he did with arrogance, vanity, and in ignorance. Dang, they like went full send in the wrong direction. Yeah, it's like, let's take an, I mean, it really is its own religion. Yeah. Because you're directly contradicting not only the Old Testament, but then all the books of the apostles. Yeah. And then the only way to justify it is to say that this is the secret teachings of Jesus. These are the actually, but again, they're taking a lot of this Greek, pagan thought as well but then here here's another interesting thing if that wasn't enough for you of like okay maybe the gospel of thomas shouldn't be in the gospel yeah uh think of this the last verse the last few verses of the gospel of thomas here um i love this wait hold on let me go off a little (laughs) bit because (laughs) well look at the look at the last comment we just got in it's kind of true (laughs) Oh, it's just literally just Christian fan fiction. Yeah, yeah, I mean, pretty let's, much. Just, let's just take theology that we know of the Old and New Testament, and then let's just create our own theology mixed in with Greek theology, you know, philosophy, yeah. and create our own religion. And that's basically what it was. Pretty much. And, all right, good. My bad. All right, so his disciples said to him, and this is Jesus, right? Then will uh, when will the kingdom come? Jesus said, it will not come by waiting for it, it will be. It will not be a matter of saying here it is or there it is. Rather, the kingdom of the Father is spread out upon the earth, and men do not see it. Simon Peter said to him, "Let Mary leave us, for women are not worthy of life." <laughs> wow! <laughs> Holy cow! 
Uh, because, again, you got to think, at this time, Greeks believe that there's even a difference between the male and female bodies. And actually, there are even spiritual and physical um, capabilities, right? And so there, there's a separation there. But they viewed women as actually anthropo- you know, anthropologically inferior yeah. to men. Um, and this isn't just from a patriarchal culture, because even the Jews at this time had a very patriarchal culture. But the Greeks actually had within their own theology of that women were inferior in in many actual mm. physical and spiritual ways than to men. Uh, so, <laughs> of this, my wife literally said, "What are you listening to?" Yeah, exactly. Like yeah. this is these Gnost- beliefs do not necessarily reflect the beliefs of biblical brainstorming. <laughs> <laughs> I should put like a disclaimer. Anybody like joining just at this moment yeah. of like, what scripture are you reading? It's like we're t- talking about. Why the, exactly why these books are not in the Bible, exactly yeah. why Gnosticism is a heresy, is precisely these reasons. Um, and so that's why, again, the Greeks viewed them as, as, in, as inferior. And so the Jews, even though they had this, a sort of picture of culture, they didn't have that theology because in Genesis, men and women were created equal, right? And then Jesus obviously elevated women at a great degree. And also yeah. the law, Old Testament law does in comparison to Mesopotamian and and, and I know in one of my classes, I took at Lee, I think it was a, I think it was a New Testament theology class. Uh, the professor was talking a little bit about uh, how Jesus included, you know, women a lot in ministry and um, how it very, in, in opposition to the culture he was in at the time, like he mm-hmm. valued women. Mm-hmm. And um, he was saying that there was a prayer among the Pharisees that was kind of like the, um, that Jesus talked about was like the Pharisee talking about how great he is and offering mm-hmm you know, the higher offering than everybody else kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But this was uh, a different prayer with a similar kind of tone where he's like, thank God that I'm this and that. And, you know, I've got, I'm a Pharisee and I've got this knowledge and blah, blah, blah. And ended it with, and thank God I'm not a woman. <laughs> so it's like, you can get, get an idea of how they view, you know, in some of those areas. I mean, yeah. Yeah. And, and even then, that's even after a lot of Hellenization of Greek influences, yeah. like kind of seeped its way into Judea at the time. One, even by the one thing that's there. interesting though about the Gnostics is they believed in like a goddess type mother thing called Sophia, which is interesting. Yeah, I mean it's part <laughs> so. of paganism that they again assimilated because they thought, well, if the true god is this spiritual thing, then all of these other gods that created material existence, I mean, they they kind of have this now pagan outlook as well. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, in the pantheon and Roman and Greek pantheon, they had goddesses like Athena and mm-hmm. you know Aphrodite and you know stuff like exactly. that. Exactly, and so, I mean, so it's it's weird. It's like Gnosticism <laughs> again is essentially you're taking Greek thought and Jewish and yeah. Christian thought and merging it all together into your own like this comic fan fiction. Right? <laughs> <laughs> That's and, a great way to put it. But then you're seeing again, uh, uh, like. Finishing up the you know the Gospel of Thomas here, so the Greeks especially and theologically viewed women as not being able to obtain mm-hmm. any of this you know spiritual glory, uh, and so what's crazy is that you have like at, at the end here, Simon Peter said, "Let Mary leave us, for women are not worthy of life." Jesus said, "I myself shall lead her in order to make her male, so that she too." may become a living spirit resembling you males. For every woman who will make herself male will enter the kingdom of heaven. Wow. 
That's man. <laughs> Dang. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's Sheesh. it's just crazy that you see how Jesus he Jesus elevated women so much. And even you know, harkening back again, Genesis, they were created equal. And then you see something like the Gospel of Thomas, this Gnostic word, which completely degrades women. Yeah. And saying women can't even inherit the kingdom of God. And yeah. it's like only if Jesus somehow changes their body into male, and then that to a spiritual essence, because again, material existence is horrible. So it's like, again, th this is the reason why I'd this, love to this see is someone not get included in the Bible. And teach about this. <laughs> yeah. Man, that'd be I just got to wonder how many women are in are Gnostics. I mean, you, you said there's yeah. some Gnostics today. If yeah. there's like certain groups of Gnostics, I imagine there's not many women Gnostics out there. Yeah, not really. Because like the rest of this though says, uh, as far as the Sophia, like as far as the women part, mm -hmm. it says God took um, God took light particles from his mother Sophia and trapped them in his human creation. But Adam and Eve struggled to return to the Father of Light. They began the process of redemption through the first act of disobedience to the Creator God by eating from the tree of Gnosis, knowledge, knowledge also yeah. called the tree of the thought of light. So, you know, it's very interesting. It's like, imagine if you view that as good. It's like, oh, the serpent was the good guy in the story. Yeah. yeah. That's the thing a lot of, like, with the um, uh, Luciferian or... Um, you know, cultic stuff, satanic yeah. cults. It's like Satan's the <laughs> Satan's the good guy here. He's the guy that's mm -hmm. getting oppressed and you know mm -hmm. beat up on, but he's not really a bad guy, you know. Yeah, that's a, that's kind of how. You, that, if anything, that's another telltale sign to show that you know a lot mm -hmm. of these other religions or fan fictions are demonic because it starts painting the devil as the the good guy, the redheaded stepchild, yeah. the good guy. <laughs> mm. I'm gonna pull this up real quick. Got to run, guys. Great discussion. Learned a lot tonight. Chandler, thanks for from the wife and I uh, for being such a great teacher to know this year, you will have to come watch him hoop next season. Oh yeah, for sure. I need to definitely catch some of his games. So for those of you who don't know, I'm also a teacher. Uh, and so no, he's, uh, he was a student of mine this past year in eighth grade. And, um, he was a great, great student, basketball player. So he's a pretty good one too. So I'll probably have to catch some of his games next, uh, yeah. you know, next season. So it was great, but thanks for joining us. Um, and this comment is interesting. Actually, the Greek Orthodox thought Sophia was the Holy Spirit, hence the Hagia Sophia is the Church of Holy Wisdom. Hmm. That is an interesting thought with yeah. the with the Greek Orthodox. The name. Yeah, I've heard that. I've heard that talked about before. That there are Greek or not Greek, um, or maybe Greek too, but Hebrew words talking about. Um, I guess Hebrew and Greek words talking about the Holy Spirit that kind of have like a feminine um, connotation to them. Not that the Holy you Spirit think is feminine, as but well, like or... yeah. And, so it's and like, Robert. so like when I mean you gotta think it's uh when God created God created man and women so obviously he had the idea for both characteristics of male and female, mm -hmm. so I mean, you know he it's he, he reveals himself as father so I mean to call him mm -hmm. a woman's not right but you know there's certain characteristics that you know loving loving for your children in a motherly way and you know also loving your children in a fatherly way so stuff like that but. When you, certain words have a feminine characteristic to it, to you know, appeal to how we look at you know fatherly, motherly love and mm -hmm. that kind of stuff. So it's like you can't go too far in the wrong direction, but I mean, going a little bit in that direction's not 
Yeah. As far as I know, so. spirits are not gendered. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> so, but like you said, characteristics of like, okay, God created male and female in his image. Therefore, mm. there are things unique to females and things unique to male or qualities that obviously reflected in the nature of God. Yeah. So that's, uh, you know, like yeah. even said, yeah, Shekinah is the spirit of God in Judaism. Yeah. And, and it's funny, even in one passage, it talks about how God, uh, it's like nurtured or, or raised or even, mm -hmm. didn't they even say in one point, like uh, at, at his bosom, right? Like I in, so. in the Old Testament, yeah. <laughs> it's like like that, like that illustration hen. of raising Israel, right? And then like a hen gathers her chicks. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that kind so, of thing. I mean, these are obviously parables or illustrations to yeah. uh, to give Get a the point across. <laughs> the point across, yeah. But what's interesting, though, even with this, that's a good point of how, like, this elevates women at the end of the day, because even these attributes that are associated at, in ancient times with women, the New and Old Testament say, oh yeah, these are actually qualities of of God as well. Like God is a caring and nurturing like God and, and like the, there's both, I guess, masculine and feminine qualities or whatever you see. But mm. what's interesting though, is you get something to like the gospel of Thomas. Yeah. And then it totally degrades women. Yeah. And it's like literally saying that women, <laughs> like, I love so, like Peter is like, women are, let Mary leave us. Like, <laughs> poor women are not worthy of life. And Jesus said, you know, I shall, Maybe and she'll. I'll make her a man one day. <laughs> don't don't worry. In order to reach the it, and then reinforces that idea of like for every woman who will make herself male will enter the kingdom of God. Like what is that? What? Because yeah. like this, even this goes on to say clearly the most elementary assumptions of Judeo-Christian theology are reversed in the Gnostics. <laughs> yeah, uh, that is. I mean, that's pretty clear. Yeah. And, and so hopefully you get a taste of all of that that we've kind of explained today of what. Uh, Gnosticism is it's, again. It's not a. It's a broad category. Nobody at the time really called themselves Gnostics. This is a, a title we kind of attribute to them. Uh, they called themselves Christians, right? Mm -hmm. And and so that that's part of the danger is because these are people that you know people that pervert, yeah, you know doctrine. And even we covered Jude, right? People who are are hidden reefs at your love feast, who who are you know creeping into the church and perverting the the grace of God and the sensuality, et cetera. Yeah. A lot of this stuff, right. They're, they're coming into the church. And in some cases that they were part of the church in the second, third century, these Gnostic groups, right. Or, or Gnostic Christians. And they were really perverting it. And what's funny is even the Bible itself, uh, refutes these claims. Uh, yeah. and, and you see in, in first Timothy six, 20 through 21, Paul was talking to Timothy. And he said, Oh, Timothy guard the deposit entrusted to you. Avoid the irrelevant, uh, irrelevant, uh, irreverent babble and contradictions of what is falsely called knowledge or gnosis. Mm. Interesting. Might have also yeah. might have already encountered some of this. Yeah. For by professing it, some have swerved from the faith. Grace Swerve. be, to, be with you. <laughs> they've again they've perverted. They've, they've swerved from the faith. Yeah. Uh, because they they have they have gotten into this these contradictory. This false theology, this gnosis, this knowledge, this gnosis, which is again not sound doctrine. And yeah. Paul even tells Timothy, like in both his letters, like, like protect the true faith, like sound doctrine. Yeah. Like this is this is the point. It's pretty sus. Uh, yeah, and and here's <laughs> here's another First John four two. By this you know the spirit of God. Every spirit that 
confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. Mm-hmm. That's a big slap to Gnosticism. Yeah. <laughs> because yeah. you got to think. It's like, how do you so, even like associate yourself with the term Christian when you're not Christian and everything that you believe? If you don't believe Jesus rose from yeah. the dead. <laughs> yeah. And, so it's and like, we, I don't know how they got away with calling themselves Christians, but somehow they did it. Yeah, and we read this today, and we're like, really, is that all it takes to, like, anybody who just says, oh, Jesus came in the flesh, like, is from God, like, they're from God if somebody says this? Like, but you got to think the context, because people were calling themselves Christians and saying that the flesh is evil, the spirit is good, material world was, you know, not created by the true God, etc., and they're saying all this stuff, and they're saying that, oh, Jesus just appeared, but he wasn't actually in the flesh. But then First John literally, you know, says, for by this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. Like he's, yeah. again, the, the theology here. Exactly. And again, it, it even goes to uh, John 1, I think. Uh, let me see. Uh, hmm. Me. Let me just pull it up here. Okay. John. Yeah, I know some of the more, uh, just some more, just the last bit of that paragraph, uh, mm -hmm. as far as the Gnostics and stuff. You know, this guy, the author of this book, goes on to say, uh, like I said, the most elementary assumptions of Judeo-Christian theologies are reversed in the Gnostics. How did the God of the Bible become the monstrous Elda uh, Boath? In the secret book of John, mother of Sophia, the first female principal emanating from the father of light, desired to bring forth a likeness out of herself, but did so without the consent of her consort. The result was the first archon, the ruler of darkness, the creator of the world. The myth of the birth of God, our God, is a Gnostic tale. And a quote from that is, Sophia's thought could not remain unproductive, and her work came forth imperfect and ugly in appearance because she had made it without her consort. When she concert, or considered it, and she saw that it was a copy of another appearance, appearance, since it had the appearance of a snake and a lion, that's weird, its mm. eyes were shining with fire. She pushed it away from herself outside those places so that none of the immortals might see it because she had brought it to birth in ignorance. She joined a cloud of light with it and set a throne in the middle of the cloud so that no one might see it except the Holy Spirit, which is called life, the mother of all. Thereupon... I'll, uh, I'll Daboath, I got to look up how to pronounce that, created the world. <laughs> Man was created in the image of the perfect father whose reflection was mirrored on the water and the creator God was tricked into breathing light power into him. But man was imprisoned in a material body. God attempted to I mean, divert yeah. him from a knowledge of the true God by preventing him from looking upward to the true God's perfection. When Adam and Eve rebelled by eating the fruit of Gnosis, they were expelled from paradise. Then God seduced Eve twice, and she brought forth Cain and Abel. Finally, Christ was sent down to save humanity by directing them to a knowledge of the light. The ascetic uh, life uh, provides the way to provides the way to the realm of light. Those who fall, as in the Buddhist cycles, are fated to reincarnation until they come to saving knowledge. Mm -hmm. The secret book of John exists in several Coptic versions found in the Naj Hamadi collection. These recensions yeah. are translations from an unknown Greek text. Um, as James M. Robinson, the editor of the Nag Hamadi Library, comments, 
the Gnostic documents reflect the ecumenical and synchristic uh, nature of the early Gnostics. The Apocryphon of John, here called the Secret Book of John, was originally composed as a non-Christian text whose Christian thrust was added by a later Christian editor. As it now stands, the tract uses the device of revelation delivered by the resurrected Christ to John, the son of Zebedee, though they themselves offer nothing other than the Socratic frame of questions and answers. But man, if you look at the uh, that quote where it talks about um, not only that the creator God that we call Yahweh is yeah. a bad guy, but talks about he has appearance of a snake and a lion, you know, you can see you know the yeah. influences there. And then he has a throne in the clouds and the sky and, you know, all that kind of stuff I can see. And then how they talk about Jesus, you can see why it's important to believe, you know, what you're saying about Jesus. So that kind of yeah. goes right back to I you. I mean, <laughs> exactly. And straight in John 1, 14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Mm -hmm. And we have seen his glory, glory of the only son of the father, full of grace and truth. And John bore witness about him and cried out, this was whom, I mean, just straight, straight there. Like, if you're a Gnostic, you were having to reject all that. Yeah. And so when people try to, to point of, like, these books of, like, why are they not included in the canon? I mean, we read some of, of the actual verses from some of these books and how mm -hmm. they actually contradict Scripture directly. Yeah. Um, and Pretty bad. You, you just, again, you see how it's pretty funny because on, on one hand, we're calling this whole series, series on the Apocrypha or Apocryphal works. Um, but you're seeing the difference between intertestamental works, which mostly are pretty good. Yeah. And are actually beneficial in interpreting and even having commentary of the Old Testament and yeah. setting you up for the New Testament. But then you see kind of this post, these Gnostic pseudepigraphal works uh, of in Christianity that are kind of perverting both Christianity and partly because they're, they're coming up with their own wacky theories, but they're also assimilating a lot of Greek paganism into the mix and their, uh, their own Greek thought and this mm -hmm. kind of dualistic theology and dualistic anthropology. Yeah. And, and, and you can see that too, when it says that the, um, uh, where is it? Uh, here it is. She pushed it talking about the, bad creator god she pushed it away from herself outside those places so that none of the immortals might see it so you can hear kind of the greek influence there yeah i mean it exactly and here's another point too good comment the you know the lord's prayer in the creed too christ suffered under pontius pilate i mean that is already a refutation right yeah. of of if christ wasn't a real man and he didn't suffer on the cross like mm -hmm. obviously he did come in the body like i just read yeah. in john one and he did suffer under Pontius Pilate. And th these are the, the core tenets of Christianity. So if mere Christianity, if the core creedal Christianity, if if that, if you don't believe in that, yeah, I mean, are you really Christian? And that's why we, we even though they called themselves at the time Christian, we today, we're looking back, it's like they weren't a Christian at all. We would call them Gnostics, right? Yeah. Because they're part of this almost secret conspiracy theories, you know, society that is writing these works. And also one proof, because you think, well, it's called the Gospel of Thomas. What if Thomas really wrote that? And you and one, not only is it written much later, yeah, <laughs> because it's like if it's if the, a lot of these apocryphal works written a hundred, two, three hundred years after Jesus and the disciples, but one even proof of the fact that we know this wasn't written by Thomas, um, other than just the contents 
right, mm -hmm. is that it's also pretty standard practice uh, or example of pseudepigrapha because the thing is, if you're really wanting people to believe something, mm -hmm. you attach their name to it, right? Mm -hmm. If I'm writing and saying, oh, an apostle wrote this, yeah, then people are going to pay attention to it. But yeah. notice that the early Gospels we have, you know, the actual manuscripts, they didn't, they don't actually say who they are mm -hmm. in, in, the, in the Gospels. If yeah. you know, it's like nobody, the Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew doesn't say, hey, I'm Matthew writing this. Mark yeah. doesn't say, hey, you know, hey, this is Mark, I'm, I'm writing. Like mm -hmm. a lot of these books, um, these Gospels, they're, they're not just out there and saying, hey, like we're, you know, th this is us because there's actually no weight behind them. Yeah. Because at the first century and second, even second, second century, Christianity is just becoming a movement and it's being highly persecuted. Yeah. So there is no brownie points for saying, oh, Thomas wrote this or Mark wrote this or Matthew wrote this. Peter wrote right. this. Who cares? Yeah. Like the, it's not even a thing. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, but we know that later works. We know one reason why we know that they're much later is because they make a big deal out of attaching their name to it. Yeah. Oh, an apostle wrote this. Oh, you know what? John wrote this. Thomas wrote the Judas wrote this. These are the secret sayings of Judas. These are the secret sayings that Jesus told yeah. Thomas because it's like you don't want just some random guy. Like who? Like notice yeah. if this was who cares? Who cares if Phil yeah. wrote this? Notice if roles were reversed <laughs> because Luke and Mark aren't yeah. even apostles. True, but yeah. it's like why did we care so much about Mark? Because Mark was an actual early true written account of, of these mm -hmm. things, and Mark. Was a was a disciple of Peter who was an apostle, and so we know the information is reliable. But no, this is, yeah. this isn't oh, book written by Peter because you know Mark could have easily even if it, even though it was authentic, Mark could have easily said oh this is a gospel from Peter, yeah, and thrown some extra weight behind it. Yeah. But no, this is actually Mark's gospel, right? Yeah. And so you see in the new in later works, all the there's this tendency in pseudepigrapha, and pseudepigrapha meaning that you're writing as somebody, but you're not actually that somebody. So yeah. like let's just say I'm writing a pseudepigraphal work of Seth, right? So I'm like, <laughs> I Seth am writing these things to you. Well, it's like actually it's Chandler, but yeah, that would be pseudepigrapha. And you, right? you would really know it's pseudepigrapha if you said I was a Steelers fan. <laughs> <laughs> exactly and that's again another proof not only is it because all of these big names are attached to these documents is proof that they come later but also because the contents are very very gnostic yeah <laughs> as you can clearly see they're third yeah. and on top of that the textual evidence says it's later that analogy you know i gave also shows that it's later and then also the actual uh manuscripts we have show that it's later documents so if you have something hundreds of years after jesus or decades after that that have that contradict the canon that yeah. aren't consistent with the apostles teachings that aren't even consistent with judaism and christianity and the basic tenets of faith why would they ever be included in the gospel but yeah. yet skeptics will try to pull this and say oh they, they should be considered the same or see and, and even the whole analogy of oh christianity is See, they were suppressing these other religions and sects. It's like um, Christianity was persecuted. They didn't yeah. have any, really, any political like 
like power until Constantine. So mm-hmm. if you're talking all of these people, like you said, Irenaeus, and all these, these are you know all these people writing. A lot of them that were against the Gnostics, even Justin Martyr, these are people pre Nicaea, pre Constantine. So before Christianity had any in, real influence or political influence, uh, rather, these people are writing against heretics and you know Gnostics and calling them heretics because they're like, hey, this directly contradicts everything that we believe, and uh, so. Yeah, this is this isn't part of the apostles' teachings. They're garbage. Don't listen. You know, don't listen to it. Yeah, <clears throat> I was trying to find this quote that I found. Um, um, I think I'm looking up the wrong person, but it had to do with. Um, so I was saying, like, if you, they had to lie and say that they were apostles and stuff just to get the, mm-hmm. you know, make it worth something, because no one would have cared otherwise. Yeah, and I found this. Who cares? The Phil uh, wrote it. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So. I- <laughs> <laughs> Phil, but yeah, I, uh, I saw this post. I think I'm looking at the wrong person, so I can't find it. So if I can find it later, um, mm-hmm. in the meantime, I'll pull up this anyway. funny comment. Yeah. The inter- <laughs> the intertestamental books are like Rogue One and Solo, and the rest of the uh, is like the sequel trilogy. Yeah, I mean, I can, yeah. <laughs> honestly, I'll put Solo in the sequel category too. I didn't like. Oh really? I have the metal, the small metal dice from Solo uh, hanging on my uh, car uh, yeah. rear view mirror because they had them at um, Galaxy's Edge, so I just mm-hmm. bought them. But yeah, they're the Solo or the dice from Solo. Yeah, <laughs> it's Rogue One. I, I'd agree. See, Rogue One isn't part of the episodes; it's not canon, but it's it fits right in middle. You're, actually, that's a great analogy, Rogue One, because you have the the uh, like episodes one, two, and three. Let's just say the Old Testament, right? And yeah. then you have the New Testament, like episode four, five, and six, and what happens after. But you have this gap of time. But guess what fills in that gap? Rogue One. Rogue One isn't part of the, I guess, the true can It's not an episode, like episode one, two, three, four, five, six. But it gives you the history and backstory, and it actually fits right in to, you know, in the middle. So that, that would be the Apocrypha, right? Those intertestamental writings. It's like, it's like Rogue One. Perfect analogy. Yeah. And you see the sequel trilogy, Gnostic works after the fact, which perverts uh, the good canon and contradict it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they have crept in unnoticed. They have crept in unnoticed and perverted the, the canon of Star Wars. So, I mean, th- yeah. th- that's exactly... Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll give it that. I'll give it a good analogy. <laughs> so, but Gnosticism, you see why these books written later were not included in the canon at Nicaea. And, and Here's a perfect example. We'll talk about this next week with Nicaea and the formation of the canon. But, you know, Council of Nicaea in, in the 300s in AD, the church was being persecuted all the way up until this point. So up until this point in the 4th century, Christianity didn't really have a whole lot of political weight behind it. And yeah. so there's no such thing as Christianity suppressing other uh, other views or denominations of Christianity. It's like all of these were were being persecuted equally under Rome, and yet you see one yeah. group being, you know, perverting, obviously, Christian doctrine. Yeah. Uh, you know, again, no time organization for councils when Rome was throwing you to the lions. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, think of Polycarp. Let's yeah. you know, throw him the lions. Let's burn him alive. Like, like he was the disciple yeah. of John, the apostle. Like, how, how do you expect to really... It's amazing that Christianity even survived with good doctrine like it has because you have you're being persecuted, 
Yeah. The people that are actually being taught by the disciples, they're being thrown to the lions. And it's a grassroots movement with un- mostly uneducated people, people that aren't the top, the cream of the crop, don't, don't have political influence. It's a ground up grassroots movement, heavily persecuted. And then you have stuff like the Gnosticism that's bringing in Greek thought and uh, like Greek thought itself. There's good parts of it. Like Paul utilizes a healthy amount of uh, Greek thought in a yeah. good way. And you can see somebody like Thomas Aquinas years later who uh, takes a healthy step of Aristotle to prove God's existence. Mm-hmm. But you see an unhealthy blend of pagan Greek thought, which mixed with these weird theories of Old and New Testament yeah. stuff, <laughs> and it creates this warped Gnosticism with these books that degrade women, that see the God of the Bible as evil, the yeah. same material is evil. They have this sacred knowledge, conspiracy theory type stuff. Yeah. And you see just, it's not, and it's written later. It's yeah. just not a part of the canon for a reason. And so next week when we see the formation of the canon and the response of this, to this heresy, I hope, hopefully you, it's so gives you a confidence in the Bible as we have it. Mm-hmm. It gives you a confidence in what sound doctrine is and what, you know, the, this, again, the old Testament, the new Testament, that's why we did this series. Why are yeah. certain books included in the Bible? Why are some not? Mm-hmm. We saw why some of the intertestamental books were not included uh, and maybe included in some canons. They're, they're good, but second tier. We see why these Gnostic works are not included in the Bible at all because, again, they're bogus. Yeah. Um, <laughs> even things like the Da Vinci Code saying, oh, that Jesus married Mary Magdalene. It's like that yeah. came way came way later. Yeah. It's like it's a it's a single story created centuries later that again perverts that that's not found in the Bible and you think some a detail like that would have been included by the apostles. Yeah. But again, it's just a later theory that again perverts sound doctrine. And yeah. so hopefully between the past three episodes and next week as we cap off this series gives you a confidence in what the Bible is, how the Bible came to be. And really just what we, you know, until we get into our other series. So we're establishing the Bible part of biblical brainstorm. So, yeah, you know, why we have confidence in the Bible and why mm-hmm. the books that are in there should be there and why those books that aren't in there shouldn't. And so, yeah, yeah. it's uh, it sounds very scary and daunting. But when you get down to it, it makes sense. He's pretty quickly. <laughs> but mm-hmm. uh, ear review to answer your question. Uh, oh, my but, watch here. Um, so I got this, I saw an Instagram ad for it. And, um, so I bought it through Instagram, but the brand is called Tactline, and it's, uh, like a tactical military style watch. Uh, I'm not sure if it's as rugged as it says it is, but so far it's been good. I wear it to work and stuff, but it's pretty heavy, pretty dense. It's supposed to be waterproof for a while underwater. As far as I know, like a good, like 90 feet, I think is what it was. I'll have to look back on that. Um, but it's got like a scratch proof and shatterproof glass, which I've worn it to work and it's gotten banged around and it's not scratched up. So that part at least is correct. And, uh, yeah. And then it's got like a timer on it. It's got digital time, um, you know, stuff like that. So, and it glows, not great, but it glows. So <laughs> it's nice. only, uh, well, if it's still on sale, it was, uh, how much was it? I can't remember, but yeah, tact line. T-A-C-T-Line. We're not sponsored by them. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully they sponsor us. That'd be nice. I want to watch. But yeah, that'd be pretty funny. I said, yeah, you cut out a little bit. I was like, well, and we're not sponsored by him, but it would be nice. It's like, hey, get. Oh yeah. I wouldn't mind to watch. 
Uh, yeah. So, and I didn't, I wasn't able to find that quote. Uh, I found it on Instagram. So I was like, well, I'll see if I can scroll real quick and find it. Couldn't find it, but I did find this. I don't know if you can. Uh, Brown's helmet. Uh, see if I can get it. Oh, the Brown's helmet on the Brown. The Cleveland Browns are finally updating their helmets, adding their logo on it. I hope they do that. <laughs> that would just be a meme in itself. That would be pretty awesome. That'd be pretty funny. <laughs> uh, anyway, sorry. Any, yeah, no, I'm pretty much. That's all. I, that's all I got. Um, we, yeah. I think, we sufficiently covered the the rise of all of these groups in Judaism, the Hellenization mm-hmm. of Judea, of Palestine, and then the kind of responses from it, and mm-hmm. Christianity coming on the scene. Um, I think between the past three weeks, we've kind of briefly covered. Obviously, we can't cover everything in detail because it's you know it's just a podcast. But yeah, um, we uh, we were able to I think sufficiently give an overview of Old Testament you know apocryphal works, these New Testament kind of apocryphal works, mm-hmm. why they're not included in the canon of Scripture, and why, why the some ones are okay that to read and some aren't. <laughs> yeah, and but, so. Yeah, they- but that you can, I mean, we gave you some, you know, some hard facts quotes from Gnostic works. We gave you some commentary on mm-hmm. Gnostic works some background. You know, yeah. Chandler gave you some background on like the kind of environment Jesus came into. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we both talked about the you know, Old Testament and apocryphal works. And mm-hmm. so, I mean, go, like, go read them. It's like yeah. there's this taboo about it. It's like, oh, well, like, you know, and, and that's what I think creates some of this, um, even deconversions of Christianity or, or, yeah. um, deconstructions and if people uh i'm trying to think of the word um apostatizing yeah apostasy i guess you could say is there's people hesitation for because believing it sometimes because yeah. they feel like we're hiding things from them yeah when, when when the church is is trying to say things like oh just just have faith right and it's mm-hmm. like that means trust right the greek word yeah. it's just there means trust and the the hebrew word also likens it to you know like a like a leaning against a wall like a trust right mm-hmm. but it's not blind belief but at the same time it's like if you're if you're if somebody feels like they're being suppressed and you're saying okay let's let's give you we're giving you all this you know believe mm-hmm. this and oh don't touch that other stuff don't touch the apocrypha don't touch the yeah. gnostics but and it's like no, there's a reason they con- why they might convince you of something you're not supposed to know. <laughs> yeah, it's like we literally read you some Gnostic works, some apocrypha, right? Like, and yeah. so, and again, not all apocrypha evil. Some are really good, and some are really bad. Yeah, really and, bad. And so you see why they aren't in the Bible, though. And so, so uh, like, I mean, I've got a couple books you can check out. Uh, to add some of this to your Bible study. Uh, these are pretty easy to get. Uh, this one's just called the Dead Sea Scrolls. And it's got a lot of the, um, like the Jewish Apocrypha and like the Old Testament stuff in it. But it's just the Dead Sea Scrolls that we have and tr- can translate. They're, they're in here. So mm-hmm. there's fragments of some, whole books of others. Uh, so that's a good one. That's more like for reference, but you can read through it. I think there's some commentary along with certain parts of it. Now, of course, the one that I read read from today, the other, sorry, I was blocking the mic, the other Bible, uh, Gnostic scriptures, some Dead Sea Scrolls and other stuff. Mm-hmm. And then this is from a researcher library um, set. It's got four books, I think. Five books, excuse me. But that's just the Apocrypha in general. But nice. it's not all, but it's the ones that would be. I need to get some of your books, Bibles. man. 
Yeah. <laughs> this one I got for Christmas is pretty cool. But this has Enoch, Jasher, Jubilees, Esdras, Maccabees, Tobias, Judith, Wisdom, Sirach, Baruch, uh, Susanna, Prayer of Azariah, Prayer of Manasseh, Baal and the Dragon, Laodiceans. Um, and this library it also comes with the Septuagint, works of the early church fathers, um, uh, sermons of great awakening preachers and stuff like that. And um, if you want, if you're curious where to get it, you know, just comment and I'll let you know where to find it. Um, yeah. But and it's it's there. It's not bad to add that stuff to your collection. And it's not that you have to read it with your Bible, but you can, you know, in your spare time or even just whenever you study the Bible or even after you're done with your prayer time or whatever, you can just read through it and see what you think. Yeah. And uh, we also have a Q&A episode after. So next week is we're capping the series off with the formation of the canon. Uh, or you know, or part four of the Apocrypha series, and then the week after that, we'll have a Q and A. So if you do have questions on, again, why certain books are included in the Bible, watch some not the Apocrypha, pseudepigraphal works, all of this stuff, or just anything in general. Like uh, I loved our last Q and A because it was just all kind of off the wall, just you know, yeah. with everything. Uh, but if you do have questions either on the series or on when we covered Jude or just anything in general, we're up for it. So tune us in for that. Um, other than that, that's all I got. I'll see you guys next week. Um, any last words? Uh, um, not really. Final uh, remarks. Other, yeah, just as far as final remarks, or you know, uh, just thank you guys again for listening, for commenting. I know we got a few regulars that uh, typically will comment throughout and stay yeah, engaged we love with the us for the whole show. So that's awesome. Um, I know ear review, you're one of them that's always with us when we're on. So we appreciate that. Um, and I know uh, Noah's dad uh, from your class. You know he was—he's uh, pretty consistent. Mm -hmm. So we appreciate you guys. Mm -hmm. uh, definitely not the Senate. <laughs> always, always a pleasure. Uh, that one, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, and like I said at the beginning, uh, yeah, we love interaction. A lot of you guys, you know, we have a lot of uh, likes and follows on Facebook. Not as many on Instagram. So we're trying to build that up. Um, so if you don't already like us on Instagram, go check us out, uh, under the same name, biblical brainstorm, Seth and Chandler podcast. We try to do more on that as far as personal level, uh, rather than Facebook and then major or the, um, more announcement stuff on Facebook, um, and stuff like that news on Facebook. So follow us on there, you know, subscribe on, uh, subscribe to our channel on YouTube so you can see when we go live. Um, and then of course on Spotify, we're on Spotify. So we'll just got to get the last couple episodes up, I guess. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I need to so, work on that. So, But other than that, I have uh, the benediction from Jude. Oh, sometimes, yeah. Sometimes I forget to bring that up. Mm -hmm. uh, so we'll end with that. Or the doxology, I should say. Mm -hmm. So Jude, verse 24. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time, now and forever. Amen. Amen. That's a good way to end every episode. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Blessings. See you guys next week. See you guys.